Welcome to episode 13 of the Narrative Walking Podcast, a non-competitive 40k podcast with a focus on fun and narrative gameplay, as well as hobby news and our latest hobby projects. I am Tony Rhodes, and tonight I'm joined once again by Dave Barker. Hi Tony, hello listeners. As always, before we get started, you can find us at Narrative Wargamer on Facebook, or you can follow us on Twitter at Narrative40k and on Instagram at Narrative Wargamer. You can also contact us via email at narrativewargamer at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you would like to join us on a future episode. If you want to support the show and help us grow, you can do so by joining our Patreon from only $2 a month. The support from our patrons helps towards the cost of producing the show and towards awesome new content for you guys in the future. Finally, if you want to support the show for free, you can do by visiting the awesome folks over at Element Games for all your hobby supplies and gaming miniatures. Now, obviously, the slight caveat to that right now is with everything else going on in the world, they are suffering the same way that, you know, all sort of game store suppliers are suffering. So if you are able to go support them right now, great. Um, Even if it's just putting stuff in orders, waiting for backlogs to clear, and once the world's back to normal, (laughs) then hopefully they'll be able to get those orders through to you because right now, even helping out any gaming store or supplier is a big help to those companies because we you know these are hard times um but the slight silver lining to that as well is that if you do use our affiliate links below then when you visit their web store any purchases or orders that you do place with them will actually help directly support the show and the podcast here over here so you know now is a good time at any as good a time as any for us all to help each other out and uh Finally, links for everything that we've just mentioned are in the description below, so please check them out and get involved with the growing community. So, Dave, how are you? Yeah, the world's changed since we last recorded, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how are you dealing with the new world order? Yeah, not too bad. I, uh, I'm now working from home full-time. I uh, had the facility to do that previously, and... Um, a lot of my uh, <clears throat> work is international, um, and a lot of my folks work from home anyway. So um, I, it's not been so much of a big transition for me, apart from the fact that I used to prefer to go into the office and uh, listen to podcasts on my commute, and I've had to find different times of day to pick up my uh, my podcast. But fundamentally, not too bad. I think my kids are a little bit more uh, anxious at not going to school. They're 13 or 14, so... <laughs> They they've they found the transition a little bit more difficult, but they're coping really well, and uh, they're doing the schoolwork, and and we've even did some decorating this this weekend. So even though it was walls in bedrooms, I was teaching them the importance of a good base coat and two thin colours, uh, <laughs> two thin coats and a good. Oh, let me say that again. <laughs> uh, two thin coats and a good base colour. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, I have to say, I'm in this very similar position where equally I'm able to work from home full time, and that is how I've now transitioned to doing so. We are very fortunate that we're able to sort of, you know, carry on with relative sense of normality, and uh, you know, we do want to say we appreciate everything that those essential workers are doing out there in the country and around the world at the moment, and um, yeah, for the rest of us, just doing our part, staying inside, painting some little war miniatures, anything we can do to pass the time. And this this hobby of, our, of ours is all about staying safe and staying sane, doing the things that we enjoy. But there's serious things going on, and um, 
we, you know, let's acknowledge that um, at the start of this episode. This is not really what that's about. This episode's about, but it's um, it's out there, and there's a lot of people working hard, doing the things that need to be done to keep us all safe, and to help those who are, uh, need more help than we do. And we uh, we both really appreciate that. But that said, there are some people in the world who, you know, even with everything else going on, they feel the goodness of their hearts to help us. That's right, to help us, Dave, because. Since the last show, we've actually got ourselves a brand new patron for the show. We have, which is fantastic. Yeah, so, you know, we want to say a big shout out and big thank you to um, Jordan Galash, who uh, coincidentally was actually mentioned on our last episode because he was the uh, the member of the Facebook group who was getting involved with the narrative campaign against the Tau, and he was the one who was busy flipping devil fishes, very much to my amusement. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And he's, uh, yeah, been a regular contributor on the Facebook group. He has. Uh, it's great to see what Jordan's been doing. He's been a really active member of the community and um, he's been he's been uh, following me over on the Instagrams and Twitters and so on and getting involved there as well. And it's really great to, one, see someone just engaging with the content and with the show so well and two, you know, helping us out. So, you know, I say again, thank you very much, Jordan. Um we will certainly put good use to uh, your support and hopefully it will start helping um, in the future. I mean, if I know the first thing for starters is it's going to help with hosting the show because at the moment I'm still paying out of my own pocket um, to host the podcast, which I'm more than happy doing. I, mean, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't happy to, but it's just a little bit every month to help out with that. So thank you very much, Jordan, and um, I hope you enjoy the content. But yeah, so since it's been a while, we've got quite a bit to go over in the Pain Station Garrison. We have lots of new features from our Community Edge highlights over on the Facebook group. Um, I don't know whether... No, I do know, because we have show notes and I'm looking at them. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dave actually did manage to squeeze in one game before the lockdown came into effect, so we do have a last little bit of games played to discuss before... Uh, moving on to our spotlight topic, which was one that was actually in the roadmap for the show coming up, but was going to be in a few episodes' time. Uh, but given current world events and the situation everyone finds themselves in at, at home, it's actually felt appropriate to bring it forwards and discuss it tonight. So that is the hobby beyond the tabletop. So basically... Everything that doesn't involve facing an opponent across the table, right? Yeah, yeah. And of course, we can't stay. Uh, tabletops are only four feet wide, and uh, we can't stay within four feet of people for uh, for two hours. It takes to play a, a war game. So, uh, a lot of tabletop gaming not happening at the moment. Right? Yeah, but that's the thing is, I was thinking about this um, a month or two ago when, having just had a newborn child myself, I was I've already found myself in a position where I couldn't really get to a table to play games with an opponent on a regular basis. And it got me thinking about actually everything else that I do involved in this hobby and how, you know, just because I'm not playing games doesn't mean I'm not involved. And uh, it seemed like a really good idea to have a discussion on tonight. So, yeah, we've got plenty of things to discuss over in the Spotlight topic. Um, And then we have some rather relevant community spotlights towards the end of the show. And, yeah, that's... That's basically the plan for tonight. No, yeah, sounds cool. It's going to be a good one. Sure we've got lots to talk about. Yeah. So uh, with that, I think we'll take a quick break there, and then we will jump over to the paint station garrison. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we are back, guys. So we're on to our personal paint station garrisons. And as you can imagine, it's been a while. We've actually had quite a lot of activity. Although I myself have had one little sort of hiccup with my working method, thanks to everything going on. But um, we'll get to that in a minute. So, Dave, what have you been up to? Yeah, I'm, I'm not in complete lockdown, as some people are. We, we've certainly got uh, friends that we know that are... Spending more time at home because they're, they they've been put on um, some of these schemes where they they're, they're not working, but the government's helping pay their wages. But that's that's not the case for me. I'm still working during the day, but uh, that that reduced commute that I have uh, from uh, from about an hour down to about five to ten seconds uh, has given me a little bit more time in the evenings for <laughs> for my own painting. So that's picked up a bit, and I had gone quiet for a while, uh, but. Um, yeah, I made some good progress. I've been getting, getting through quite a few things. One of the other things that I really, not really so much of the garrison, but feeding the garrison, I suppose, is um, being at home on conference calls. When I I have some meetings where I just need to listen and pay attention, and I find that if I'm doing something with my hands, uh, scribbling notes or whatever, I, I tend to pay better attention. One of the things I found myself doing here, as well as making notes, is uh, building models out of the lead mountain. So I've been building all sorts of things um, <laughs> in, uh, let's not call them boring meetings, <laughs> let's call them uh, meetings where I, uh, yeah, I needed to do something with my hands. I've, I've so been doing building. the same thing, I have to say, like, because I'm regularly in a lot of, like, like everyone these days, so I'm in a lot of, like, uh, video calls at work now. Um, although that camera is usually turned off so they can't see that I'm working on <laughs> what I'm or what's going yeah. on. Um, but yeah, like, a lot of meetings where I just have to be present and listening to, like, you know, updates and company wide stuff and so on. And during that time, yeah. you get some, get some hobby in. Pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been been building land speeders and uh, space marine squads and a dreadnought, um, a couple of those, uh, what are they called, the primary rhino, floaty rhino things. Uh, impulsors. Uh, impulsors, thank you. A couple of uh, proper rhinos for Sisters of Battle, as well as an emulator, some characters, Gene Steeler characters. Ooh, is uh, uh, is that the new Shadow emulator Sun. or the old emulator? No, that's the new one. Oh, I've, got, I've got a couple of the old ones. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a kit to build. I, I really quite enjoy building. It's a bit finickety in place. I didn't put all the detail on. I don't want I don't want some of the, to be the, the full level of detail on them because uh, I've got to paint the things. And um, it certainly is a part of work. You've got to leave it partly assembled and, and partly not assembled because to, to get the effect of that, that stained glass window, uh, which comes in clear plastic, is... Uh, Certainly an interesting thing. I like I like models like that, but it's a little bit more complex than than it might be for for something simpler with that kind of clear clear perspective, like a like a flyer or whatever. Um, so yeah, building quite a lot of that stuff. But then in terms of what I've actually been painting, um, I've uh, I finished my last five Rainbow Warrior Assault Assault Marines to complete that squad. So I, I didn't have them finished at the time of the last recording. And they I'm really pleased with they've come out. Uh, they got a lot of positive feedback when I posted them online. Uh, a couple of lads liking the detailing of the uh, squad markings and things like that that I, I managed to get on them. They come out. I'm really pleased with that squad. Um, I then, um, I've had a background activity where I started building up a, a Blood Angels army. I wanted to do them with the classic ones. So quite some time ago, probably when I, around about the time I did the first show uh, for Narrative Wargamer, I'd just painted five um, Terminators from the old second edition Terminators, second edition Space Hulk box set, uh, the plastic multi-part ones, uh, in, in Blood Angels with Goblin Green bases. And I've now done a, a, the original uh, 
Space Marines, the RTBO ones, the first plastic kit that Games Workshop did. I did a squad of 10, uh, 10 Blood Angel tactical squad there with uh, the classic uh, missile launcher and, and, and flamer that I posted on the group as well. So I used, um, enjoyed using transfers and some of the old classic techniques, but also used uh, a fair bit of contrast paint on them as well. And, and they come out really nice. Um, so I, I, as well as our group, I posted them on the, the old, old Hammer group and uh, again got a lot of positive feedback and nostalgia uh, from them. <laughs> so uh, um, I, uh, I rebased a couple of things. My friend painted me a rainbow warrior just that I, he gave me a couple of weeks before lockdown. So uh, I based him up to match the rest of my army. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Really nice. That was a really nice sort of like touch, wasn't it? Like being being sent um, a model yeah. that someone else has painted in like the style of your army. Like the um, yeah, he just the colour fade on the bolter he did was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. It's nicely, nicely highlighted. Uh, his, his style of painting is slightly different than mine. His leads, and uh, I really, really appreciate the miniature. But it's, uh, it's, um, but it still fits with the army. He, he matched the colour scheme and everything, and it's, it's brilliant. It fits in with all the rest of them. It's fantastic. And then I had an old, old trenchler as well, uh, from the same area as the the Rogue Trader era stuff. Uh, trenchler is a dual uh, last cannon weapons platform, which in in the model use rules I use as a. Um, um, Thunderfire Cannon? Oh man, I'm forgetting. Thunderfire Cannon, I think. No, I'm forgetting, the, 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 forgetting all the, the Space Marine names tonight. Um, just because there's, there's nothing else you can use it for, but um, I've had that painted for about 30 years, but I've never, never got around to basing it until, until I've been locked in. <laughs> um, I did another five, uh, five of those Space Dwarves, the Red Space Dwarves that I posted online, and I managed to get a whole load of movement trays. I painted about 20 movement trays for my Night Haunt army, so not 40k, but um, uh, the, the, the movement trays are really helpful when you're playing Age of Sigmar, and I've, I've uh, painted, I've 3D printed a load of those a while ago myself, but they were still in the bright white plastic, and uh, I painted them black and based them to match my, my Night Haunt army, which is nice. And then this very evening, while you were settling your little one to bed, I finished uh, painting... Um, a scenery piece which I've, I've just posted online which is like a triangular column uh, from Fenris Games uh, which is called a Necronom uh, it's like a stellar an obelisk a column um, and it's got a different type of text on every side so it's got runes on one side and hieroglyphs and uh, cuneiform uh, script uh, and I've just painted that up to use as an alien objective marker in, uh, in where I'm uh, I'm sure it'll make regular regular appearances on my uh, my tabletop, but I'm really pleased with that. The, the stuff from Femis Games, he makes really, he's finding it difficult to ship at the moment. He's been struggling a bit recently, but he makes so such nice, clean resin casts. They paint up so easily and so quickly, and they look so nice when they're done. Uh, really, quite a fan. Um, and then just thinking about what I'm going to be painting, painting more of next. So I've got plenty more Nighthaunt to work through, uh, more of the Space Dwarves. Uh, I'm been, currently, as we're talking now, I've been painting a Rainbow White Tech Marine and a, a Blood Angels Captain. Um, I've got five Vimboy Stern Guard that I built in one of those meetings earlier this week that I've started painting. Um, and uh, a whirlwind, a rainbow whirlwind, whirlwind in front of me. And uh, I've been thinking about painting other stuff. Orcs, I've got quite a few orcs I'd like to start doing, and that's your fault, Tony. You've, you've made me want nah. to paint orcs. <laughs> well, it seems like uh, there's a few people in the Facebook group that have recently tried the hand at orcs and really enjoyed it yeah so uh yeah. i don't know whether or not i'm directly responsible or not but in either case i love it it's bar orcs game painted yeah 
And uh, I've got uh, a couple of other things. I've got a lot of Epic. I'm thinking I might paint some Epic. I've been playing about on Pinterest. I don't think that's a, a social media you use quite so much, but I've been browsing through a lot of stuff. And contrast paints seem to work really well on Epic uh, miniatures. So I, I think I, I want to have a go at that. And um, we'll see where that takes us. Then I've got a, um, a book Gilliman model as well that's primed white. And I think I'm going to paint him as a rainbow warrior. I mean, totally non-canon, but... Um, if I'm ever going to field him, he's going to be fielded with my Rainbow Warriors, so um, why not? <laughs> are, you, are you going to be painting um, the Emperor's sword in like a multicoloured ring for him? I think I probably am. Yeah. No. Uh, one of the things that's just, uh, the reasons I've not started is I want to try and figure out in my own head how I'm going to distri- distinguish between the sword itself and the, the flaming parts of the sword. Um, and still keep it all as a, a rainbow. And I've not quite got that in my head yet, but we'll, I'm sure I'll figure it out. Um, maybe you could do it as like a two-tone, like edges of the actual blade. So like the outer non-flaming edge of the sword could be like a standard metallic. And then the second half of the sword um, fades into each of the segments. So, yeah. And then That, that could work. That pairs off into the flames. The, the other idea I'd had was if I paint the sword itself uh, using the, the, the sort of colour blend I used 20 years ago or so to do to do my original Rainbow Warriors, where I'm, I'm actually mixing and blending old school paint together to to get um, to get the kind of transitions to, to produce a rainbow, but then maybe use contrast paint uh, to to a similar effect. But you get a, you get the same rainbow, but it will have a different texture. Yes, that might I don't know. I might have to experiment and see what works. Anyway, that's what I'm thinking of. Sorry, gone gone down thinking about how I'm going to paint that now. <laughs> Live on the podcast. So I hope that's of interest to other people. So quite a lot going on in my evenings. Uh, in addition to, uh, you know, it always comes up whenever this happens as hobbyists. I've also painted two whole rooms as we're moving the kids about <laughs> and some redecorating. So teaching the kids the benefit of uh, two thin coats and a strong base colour. Right? And uh, it's always a uh, good learning for them. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I'm, I've got another room in the house at the moment that we're currently getting ready to sort of strip and then repair the walls, get ready to paint, and it's gonna be, yeah, that's gonna be a fun one. But yeah, um, I myself have also been finding myself doing a lot of. Well, to be honest, I actually feel like um, I probably dropped a little bit in productivity since the lockdown because. I'm just so much busier um, with the family as well. It's it's a different environment. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have a nice, solid, sort of, like, structured lunch hour at work in an office where I can just sit down, put my paints out and, you know, not be distracted, <laughs> essentially, yeah. for an hour. Um, so while, yes, it's, it's actually kind of useful that I can get some more painting done during those, like, meetings and stuff, but if I'm not actually actively occupied with work things i don't really have as much time to paint so if anything it's it's been interesting finding a new rhythm um because i already painted on the evenings anyway but finding time in the day uh, at the moment nap time (laughs) that is when i get my painting in while while the little ones are uh, down for just an hour or so like uh, me and the missus have decided rather than doing housework which we'd be doing when they're up anyway We'll both just have, you know, an hour of quiet and calm. 
Yeah, no, I remember doing that when my kids were little as well. But of course, I think as, as many as are finding, I, I have the same experience, Tony. I, you know, the family uh, needs some time, and they need help just coping with being being trapped inside a little bit. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. So help with their homework or whatever. My my kids are a little bit older, and they they need that kind of thing as well. And you can't just go out as easy, and it's not as easy to go and see granny and granddad and all that kind of thing. So just you know, they need a bit more time from us at times, and at other times they need us to leave them alone and walk away, and, and that's when I've either been getting some hobby done or I will confess I've uh, I've been playing a little bit more No Man's Sky on the Xbox than I would normally do. Switching between those. But So what else have you been up to, Tony? Yeah, so... You got used to your changing environment? I was going to say, despite all that, since it's been a little while since I've checked in with my garrison, I have actually got through a fair few things. So, um, I've got in my notes here that I finished the fifth... Um, Death World Forest piece, which feels like it was ages ago, because I think I finished that about yeah. four weeks ago. <laughs> but it was yeah. technically finished more or less just after um, the last episode. Um, so yeah, that's really good. Um, I enjoyed actually getting out all the painted forest terrain pieces that I have and setting them up on my new um, like collapsible gaming table. Um, which you know, yeah, that was a great photo that you posted on social media there. That was yeah, really good. Which I have to say that that's a shout out to um, GameMat.eu. That's where I got that gaming table from. It's brilliant. It's a really sort of like lightweight aluminium um, frame collapsible gaming table because designed particularly for use as you know like a six by four for war gaming table. So yeah, it's brilliant. I set that up. Got out all my painted terrain pieces to just to see what I had in way of putting together a fully painted board and uh yeah i was quite pleased with the result really i put it up on the facebook group and uh it's certainly not a bad starting point for a, a deaf world forest um i think i've still got about another three or four pieces to put together and build and paint so i'm hoping to have a more dense jungle by the time i'm done with that yeah no it looks really nice it's always nice to have a full terrain uh, Full table full of terrain to fight over when you're playing, uh, especially at home and maybe even uh, on your own at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever we can do to game. Um, and then on top of that, I finished. I had a little side project that was running for a long time because it was, it wasn't ex- a model as such, but basically it was the flight stands slash bases for all my orc aircraft. So I've got yep. like um, a blaster jet, a DACA jet, and a burner bomber. And I wanted to um, make up some really nice uh, like scenic bases for them that would like do a flying over the Orky scrapyard. And since it was going to be a base that didn't have to have an actual model stood on it, there was an opportunity to do like really big piles of scrap on these bases. Um, so I kind of did them as a batch and like built and painted all three of them together, but... It was kind of just a, a pick up and work on project for when I just wanted to do something a little different to whatever unit I was currently working on. And uh, I got all of those finished. So they all look really cool. I'm really pleased with them. Um, yeah, that's probably a, a good comment for anybody who's painting a little bit more than usual and maybe he's not so used to painting a little bit more than usual. Having having that kind of little side project is uh, just as a... Well, if you'll excuse a pan, a palette cleanser <laughs> from uh, from the things that you're normally working on, 
is uh, is a good way to keep your your hobby motivation up and uh, yeah keep I mean, productivity going. I've said before when I work on infantry squads, I tend to also have one character model they're working on at the same time, which will be in a similar sort of palette and range to the squad, but it lets me just break up from batch painting. Um, like if I've just done a, a wash and all of them or um, I've done the armor plates and all of them and I'm waiting for like, you know, all 10 guys in the squad to dry, I might then do the the skin or the armor plates on the character, which I'm going to spend a little more time on. But that time spent doing that is just a little break um, from the batch, but also lets it sort of dry in its own time and I don't feel like I'm rushing it. And I was doing a similar thing with these flight stands, so... Really pleased with those, um, but the highlight for me for the past two, three weeks really has been um, the Boomdacker Snaz wagon that I finished. Um, that was a ton of fun. And the funny thing is, I know that that was actually what I was working on on the last show because I'd got it base coated in lead voucher spray. And because it was something simple to work on while we were doing the podcast, I was basically just putting the um, like the washes on it. And since then, I've just finished the whole thing. Okay. Uh, and it, w- it was intended to just be, a, oh, um, I haven't got anything to be painting while I'm podcasting tonight. Like, because my other stuff's either uh, in the office or it's a bit big and clumsy. I can't work on a terrain piece. So I'll just grab that, um, that boom wagon and work on that. And then come the next show, it's done. <laughs> but that, that that comes back to what we were talking about, uh, I think, last time. That um, once you've got your the, the the painting techniques that you down that you want to use on your army, you know how to paint your blues and your metals and your your, your weapon colours and all those kind of things. Once you've got those down in your head and you're happy with them, actually turning out more units becomes an awful lot easier when you've got those recipes sorted. Yeah, I've been finding that to be so true. Like, I just pick up a unit and something I've not done before within the army, but because I already know how I'm going to paint each of the sections of it, I just blast through it. Um, like, I've already... Uh, so having finished the Boomdacker Snazwagon, I enjoyed working on that kind of buggy-style vehicle so much that I just decided to start straight again on another one, so I started on the Megatrax Scrapjet which is one of my current ongoing projects. Um, and again, of just blocking out the colours really quickly. I knew what areas were going to be keeping blue and which areas were going to be um, sort of like the highlighted bits of armour, so like a black armour plate here, a light blue plate there. Um, because it's, it's very formulaic now from the rest of my orcs, and yet the ramshackle nature of each model means that it still looks very unique and individual. And I got, yeah, absolutely. And I got to have fun painting an artificial horizon on the little digital display for it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. I like you know painting all those little little details. We've talked about them before, but uh, it's the kind of thing that adds character to, to yeah, those yeah. kind of things. And and the you know the uniqueness of the vehicle within the army is separates it anyway. But then it just makes it feel a little bit more uh, individual as as, as you pick out some of those smaller details. I love painting uh, like the little screens on, on RISP computers on, on Space Marines and uh, you know if I've got an open cockpit on a um, um, uh, or you can see the inside of a Rhino or the Impulsor or the, the uh, um, 
land speed or something like that they did they did come out uh try and pick those things out and they just had just that touch of character that, that you don't notice at first but they you look at the model in detail and then you start seeing those things right yeah well that was the thing like i had this digital display for the scrap chair and i was like am i just going to paint like a targeting reticule on it or something that would typically do and i thought no i feel like i want to do something a little special for this because it's kind of like it's that little feature detail on the model and I was like, right, what's it going to be? And I tried a few things. I didn't really like them. And then I settled on this idea of, you know, what would be really funny if he actually had some flight instruments on there, even though he's not flying anymore, because now it's just on tracks and wheels. <laughs> but it is the it is the one that's a fighter jet that's been converted into a vehicle, right? Yeah. So uh, I gave it a try, and it was really fun doing like the two tone um, coloring on the panel to represent the sky and the ground level. And then putting in the like the artificial um, aircraft indicator over the top of it, it was really fun. <laughs> it's such a, a nerdy little feature, but I just love the idea that he's got actual aviation um, like overlays on his monitor. Fantastic! Um, that was brilliant. Uh, but yeah, that's one of my work in progress. And then um, I did also finish. Um, the mech boss on the death kill, the war trike, but I finished the boss himself, not the war trike. That is still ongoing. However, unfortunately, both him and his bike are stuck in my work office. <laughs> like, in the locker at work, and I cannot get to them because I'm locked down at home. So there's a delay on finishing him. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to wait, right? Yeah, unfortunately, with everything going on, I was not able to get back to the office to pick him up before the lockdown came into effect. So he's sat minding his own business, collecting dust. But I'm sure he'll yeah, be Yeah, I was fortunate enough not to leave anything like that in the office, just a, a couple of mugs uh, that I, I don't desperately need at home because I've got my uh, warm 40k banded mugs at home to be drinking coffee in. Well, <laughs> I'm glad that none of my supplies, like none of my hobby supplies got um, stranded at work because they travel with me because I've got like a travel box um, for whatever I need to work on any given project at um, on my lunch breaks. But they come home with me every day. But I don't bother bringing the figure case containing whatever it is I'm working on home every day that just gets yeah. taken and, and then until the model's finished and ready to come home it stays in my locker so that's why you got stranded <laughs> yeah hobby supplies are a little bit more difficult to come by we had a, a chat on our club facebook group about that um earlier this week as people started fretting about i built so many models but i'm running out of primer <laughs> oh yeah it's a real problem like since games workshops closed its factory doors it means that yeah. citadel paints and such are not getting out there into the world and suppliers are not going to be supplied i i tried to get in like a um like a bulk purchase to stock up before the lockdown came into effect because i kind of knew it was coming and i was like you know what I need to do? I need to make sure I've got plenty of lead belcher and Agrax Earthshade and like my core essential paints. And But because Saga and the Beast was due along the way, I thought, well, if I wait just one more week and I put the order in at the same time as pre-ordering the Saga and the Beast, then I can get that all in in one nice order and it'll all arrive at once and that'll, that'll be me set then for you know a month or two. I mean, no problem. But because I waited that week for the pre-release 
of Sarg of the Beast, the delay got tied up in the uh, GW closure, and now it's sat as an order with Element Games, and hopefully it might be with me in the next six weeks or so. But thankfully, I have since managed to um, find some local independent stockists that had some of the paints that I needed. And after a couple of orders and a couple of days waiting, I did manage to get some like emergency supplies of my core paints for my orcs. So I should be settled. Uh, should be good. And most of what I've got built is already primed. Yeah, I. it's all the new building I've been doing, uh, as have other lads from my club, and it's, it's in a similar situation. And uh, we are... It's, it's white primer, but fortunately we found that Wilco's is open. That has a pretty decent uh, white white cam primer that you can get if you if you've got a Wilco's near mm-hmm. in the UK. Or we're finding also uh, some Halfords are open, and I, the Halfords is a white spray I usually use anyway. Um, so I'm hoping when the time's right, when it's appropriate to do so, and we pass in, I wouldn't make a special trip out. Oh yeah, I would not consider it an essential out. trip. But no, no. If, if we're out shopping and I'm going past one, we. We might pop into Alfred's and pick up some more, more spray there. But um, uh, if not, it'll just have to wait, and I'll just have to uh, have a huge mountain of models waiting to be sprayed when we can uh, move around again. <laughs> um, yeah, like the way this thing to me is, I've put um, a hold on painting terrain because that's the thing which I tend to go through larger quantities of paint on. Um, right. So I've been trying to make sure that what I choose to work on is something which um, I'm going to have the majority of supplies to finish. Like, for example, the thing I'm currently working on right now is a Wasbomb Blaster Jet. And the reason for that is because I don't have to worry about getting basing materials or the paints I use for basing because these bases are already done because it's those flight stands from earlier. Yes. <laughs> so you should use, yeah. use less supplies in that sense. Um, but... That said, the last thing that I have completed is the um, the large Sector Imperialis building that I was working on, sort of pre-lockdown. It just had the last few bits to finish, so I decided to finish that off, and uh, I'm really pleased with it. So this big sort of like cathedral-like building with sort of like three floors to it, and uh, it's the largest ruin I've got built up at the moment, and now it's painted. So that... Yeah, I saw the photos on social media. It looks really nice. I must admit, I'd never thought to do it with uh, you'd done alternating check squares on the uh, uh, on the tiles, and I would have never. It just wouldn't have occurred to me to paint it in that kind of pattern. But it looks really good. It looks really good. It's something I've sort of seen done a few times over the years. Um, I remember seeing something like that similar when the original Seas of Death stuff came out, and my local store at the time did. You they'd made like checker flooring for the very ground floors of the buildings because obviously they were just okay. the walls that connected to the floor and um, they just stood on the floor like on the table surface and you didn't have the tiles that make the higher floors so they just decided to put some in themselves and it was a really nice effect um, and then in more recent years since the modern sector um, imperialist stuff has come out I have occasionally seen one or two places that use like the checker pattern style, but in different colors. And I've always really liked the red, like the dark red and black tiling that I've done on mine, because I think it looks really, really nice when you've got a whole board done in that style. Yeah. 
and it sort of like really brings all the ruins together and makes them feel like a cohesive city block rather than just a bunch of burnt out buildings um right. so yeah so that was a lot of fun so yeah like that's kind of everything that i've been up to lots of orcs lots of terrain and uh in the meantime it's just going to be a focus on more orcs yeah yeah but, i mean uh, how big are you trying to push this army tony have you got plenty more to go um i'm probably about a third of the way through um what i own and i'm planning to probably add another 50% to it again in purchases, but I'm not buying any more for it until everything I currently own is painted. Like, I know... It's a good plan. It's that kind of, like... It's that goal that everyone likes to achieve, and very few people actually manage to do it. And at the moment, (laughs) by virtue of having had, you know, two children in the last two years, it's kind of forced me to not be buying more stuff. So I've just been instead yeah. working on what I've got. No, that's a good plan. If you can stick to it and uh, you've got the willpower to do that, I must admit I'm, I'm a little bit weaker. Um, but it's uh, e, uh, e, it is definitely the more sensible thing to do. But don't get me wrong, <laughs> I have a very dedicated checklist of things I am going to be buying and in what order and when. So I already know what my purchase is going to be. Um, but yeah, so... That, that's what we've been up to. There have been plenty of hobbying going on, and I hope that um, the listeners out there have also now got plenty of stuff on themselves. Those that have got extra time on their hands, now is the time to really try and push your paint station garrisons, really try and get through your backlogs. Um, and to that end, some of you have been showing us the sort of things that you've been up to. So we're going to go discuss those now over in our Community Edge Highlights. Are you enjoying the Narrative Wargamer podcast? If you are, why not check out our community Facebook group at Narrative Wargamer on Facebook. We share our latest hobby projects and narrative battles and aim to grow a community for casual and narrative 40k players. We're always excited to see the awesome things our listeners are working on and it is a great place to hang out with other like-minded hobbyists. You can also find us on Instagram at Narrative Wargamer and over on Twitter at Narrative 40k for regular hobby updates on our 40k projects. And we're back guys. So we are now in our Community Edge Highlights, the part of the show where we like to discuss some of the awesome projects you guys have been doing out there in the world and posting on our Facebook group. Um, So... What have we got today? Dave, what have you seen that's uh, really taken your interest? Uh, yeah, it is, it's been quite a, quite a bit on the group as I, I look back and seen, seen what uh, really stood out. Um, I think first thing that I should mention probably is um, our co-host Chris. Uh, he uh, has been painting Sisters of Battle recently and he popped up a... Um, uh, he'd made himself a little cartoon image <laughs> of his recently painted Sisters of Battle that he's got on his own blog, um, the Unrelenting Bush, and he's, he's painted them uh, with white armour, and they're, they're so clean, so sharp, uh, they've come out so fantastic, I, I think they definitely deserve a mention. Seen lots of good Sisters of Battle coming out at the moment, but um, but they stand out amongst them as, as looking particularly good. It's really funny seeing how they're painted with white armour and black hair, 
as opposed to traditionally yeah. the reverse. And yeah. it works really well. Uh, snow bases complement the white armor as well. I'm not sure I'd be that brave. I think I, I'd want to go for a contrasting color. Yeah, but um, it, it just it works though. It, it works nevertheless. He's just uh, he's much better at this stuff than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's made it work. It, you can see it being it's an interesting choice, but it really does work. And uh, you should go check it out if you can. Um, I quite liked the. Uh, Drukhari Kabbalites by Ant Barnes. And, um, uh, the blue ones, right? Yes, they're, they're very sort of like, you know, striking blue. They're just really eye-catching, basically. Like, the way he's done them with these sort of like these white helmets on the, the bright blue armour, it's a very yeah. um, striking tone for Dark Eldar. But one of the things that's really interesting about it is that He's one of the uh, guys in the group who's mentioned before that he's going to be running a like, narrative campaign with his friend. And yeah. he's already got plans for like this squad sergeant um, of these Kabbalites. And he's got this almost sort of, like character level little conversion for this sergeant because, in theory, he's going to become like the Archon leading these raiding forces as their campaign goes on. No, no, it is, it is nice when you've got a character behind that unit. Not just the composition of the painting, uh, but the fact that he's he's got a story, he knows who they are, he knows where they're going in that story arc as well. It's fantastic. Well, I think it's really like thematic for the Drakari, the fact that this like squad sergeant has these lofty aspirations that he's going to be rising up the ranks throughout the campaign and eventually going to be taking control of his cabal. <laughs> right. um, and it's just really cool to see Sort of characters realized like that in miniature form so early on in this little narrative because quite often it can be more the case that the games and the narrative you're telling forms the character of the um heroes you're playing with when actually this um, ant is doing the reverse where he very much knows the path that he wants to take this character on and he's working out where he's going to be starting in miniature form yeah, and I, I most of my games usually work out the other way, but it's so brilliant to see 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 it happening uh, with the definition of the story before even even before they hit the tabletop. Uh, my my characters and stories tend to come out of the games I've played. And that's that's where some of my characters have got their names and their, their appearances from. Uh, most notably, uh, Primaris left an attendant bastard who uh, was named for the number of sixes he rolls on his armor save <laughs> repeatedly in multiple games. <laughs> Uh, but no, no, seeing seeing these uh, with their story, fantastic work from uh, Anne. Uh, and then another one that caught my eye was um, Dan Willington's Inquisitorial Land Raider, um, which again, there's something about very bright blue units in uh, our Facebook group at the moment. You know, my death skulls aside, <laughs> but um, it's a it's a bright blue Inquisitorial Land Raider, and it looks awesome. It- it is nicely with at the bottom, but lots of lots of little details on it as well, uh, from the commissary and stuff uh, on the top to, to just being festooned in purity seals, uh, as you would expect from from an inquisitor, and, and then little bits of detail. I, I think I, I recognise the book from the uh, Grey Knight Spruits and a couple of other uh, little bits that just add a little bit more uh, to uh, the Land Raider itself, um, uh, to the base model that just make it more. Obviously uh, associated with an inquisitorial woman. Well, yeah, I think that's one of the uh, one of the defining features about its silhouette is that when you look at it, 
even though it's a Land Raider, it's very clear that it's not a Space Marine vehicle in this instance. Like, you know, it, it does not scream Astartes. Like, yeah. And I think it's very clever that how he's managed to do that. Um, and yeah, it's it's brilliant. Um, yeah, and he, he's posted a picture with, uh, together with them. With the, with the Inquisitor and some uh, Sister of Battle support and um, the, the, the sisters in blue and they, they've got a vinyl with them that, that fits in but that, that vinyl is a, a little bit more uh, uh, blending into the to, to make a cohesive warband using that blue as a common theme across all of them Yeah, it's a, it's a really nice um, force he's got there I'm really glad you shared it in the group Yep um, Yeah, thanks Dan and then from ridiculously ostentatious and over the top down to the most uh, sort of like humble of creations, uh, I was really impressed by Tom Blanding's wooden pallets that he's been making for his Necromunda terrain. Yep, by cutting up uh, coffee stairs, right? Or yeah. some other similar piece of Coffee stairs, <laughs> lollipop sticks, whatever it is, but... Um, he posted um, a picture of him just sat there with um, these, like you know, his his clippers and these mountain of wooden sticks, and then a, a much smaller pile of pallets that he put together. <laughs> but then, yep. like, I could just the little pile of pallets he's got are really impressive, and it's um, they just look completely scale appropriate. Um, yeah. and that's before they're even painted. Assuming that he bothers painting them, I don't know if he will do or not, because obviously they're naturally a sort of base wood tone anyway. Yeah. But I'd love to see... No, a, they do look great. I'd love to see a Zone Mortalis board with those scattered all over it. I'm expecting that it probably will, because one of the other things that Tom's posted this time is uh, a scenery piece with a, a, a wrecked and half-rusted uh, chimera uh, yeah. And a landscape piece with, with grass and stones going around it. Uh, grass going around it, stones don't grow. <laughs> he, he made that uh, that brilliant mistake of um, flocking his terrain before he uh, undercoated it. <laughs> he did. He did. He did. But, which always makes things more difficult. But he did a really good but job. Nevertheless, back on that. Yeah, absolutely. He's still come out all right for all that. And um, so, I given that. That's, that's a really rather nice terrain piece he's posted up as well. I'm sure he probably will end up painting those palettes. Uh, yeah. Um, I think the only other thing that I, I saw that I think was worth a mention was um, there have been several posts from Adam Boyce about his uh, Ultramarines. Uh, yes, it's, and, been, uh, it's but, been nice to see him progressing with them. I think the ones I particularly like to call out are the, the Assault Terminators, uh, which I think the, he said the, the shoulder pads were from Puppets War, uh, but they've got a different kind of shoulder pad than, than usual on the Terminators, but it, it, it works really well. and uh, They don't look out of place at all, um, and it's just a really nice-looking unit. Perfect. So, yeah, um, this is a, just a, a little short, sweet community highlight there, but it's great to see the uh, the work that all you guys are putting in and... I'm sure over the next month or so we're probably going to hopefully have a bit of a flood of finished projects, I would hope. People with the time on their yeah. hands to get things finished and uh, get some wonderful yeah. community feedback on it. And then we're listening to this. If you are getting things finished, do do go along to uh, either the, the Facebook group, uh, Narrative Wargamer, and, and post what you've been finishing on there. We'd love to see it. Or um, you know, tweet at Narrative Wargamer on, on Twitter and, and we'd like to see what you've got there as well. Yep. I look forward to seeing how everyone is making hobby progress on their paint station garrisons. So, yeah, 
we look forward to to seeing it. Um, so we'll have another quick break and then we'll come back with well, what is pretty much probably going to have been Dave's last game for a while. But yeah. uh, hopefully, it was a good one. And we're back. So, Dave, I hear you managed to get in one last game before the lockdown pretty much made life a lot more difficult for us when it comes to playing games. So tell us all about it. Yeah, I did. I mean, um, I, I'm guessing that's not true for you, uh, although maybe it's not the lockdown that's causing that. It's the uh, oh, new addition didn't, didn't to the make make a huge difference. Yeah, it didn't make a huge difference <laughs> to me. Uh, like I say, you know, I've been a little preoccupied for games at the moment anyway, but uh, I'm sure there are plenty of other people out there who might have been rushing to get in some last games before things got as bad as they'd have. Yeah, and it, it was the game that I, I said that I would be having when we recorded last. Um, the club I regularly attend, 2D6 Lodge in Cambridge, uh, we we played all the way up until we were we had to shut down and uh, we were quite happy to do so uh, when instructed, but we didn't want to do anything unnecessarily early. So I managed to, to get in a last game of 40k before shutdown with my mate Garth. And uh, the, I brought along my Rainbow Warriors, as you might expect. And uh, Garth brought his um, Grey Knights. And we, uh, I was going to try, I did try and persuade him to uh, try an alternate activation. Uh, yeah. That we talked about before. Uh, but uh, Garth has played bolt action. He's taken part in the tournament we run as well. Um, so he's, he's familiar with the mechanic. But he wasn't convinced that it would really work with, with 40k. And he'd rather, rather play something more traditional. So that's what we did. Because, you know game is about consent right and uh, if you're not having fun you've got to got to find a way to have fun together so we uh, instead he said he made a counter offer let, let's choose one of the missions from chapter approved so we we raided chapter approved and uh, pulled out um, the last stand so this is one of those missions that it's a challenge mission in chapter approved 2019 um, where where one um, party uh, is is just making a last stand as you'd expect, and uh, they don't get reinforcements. But the other um, your opponent, the, the one who's playing the attacker, can respawn units uh, throughout the game, and the the victory condition is really for how long the defender can last. Um, so you you know if you can last, uh, if you get wiped out in one or two turns, that's it, you're done. It's a, you get a low challenge value if you 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 last a lot longer and um, you. You can last a full seven turns, then um, you get you get a much uh, higher numbers. It's all done as stars. It's uh, slightly odd if you if you read it, but it, it, it does make sense. It was fairly easy to follow, um, and we had a good fun. Um, it, we couldn't entire. We had to think for a reason why Grey Knights uh, were being besieged by Rainbow Warriors, and we decided that there must be the the heretic Rainbow Warriors that needed teaching a lesson. But uh, <laughs> the Grey Knights had uh, been cornered and pinned down, and were trying to last out as long as they could. But they had no route for escape, um, so uh, uh, and it was interesting. Uh, lots of psychic going on from his side. I had some psychic from my side. I got my full uh, new assault squad that that got respawned twice, uh, which was great fun because I got to use my new squad over and over again. <laughs> was this um, uh, before or after the uh, Grey Knights got their new psychic awakening stuff? Uh, so this would have been before, yeah, or at least we weren't fully aware of it at the time in fact i mean it was a casual game it wasn't it wasn't a hardcore um uh, S, uh sorry not stc that's uh that's something quite different in 40k isn't it the uh itc 
ITC, thank you. <laughs> he yeah. wasn't that kind of game at all. In fact, I had to uh, brief uh, Garth on the fact that he could use the uh, chapter tactics and how the chapter tactics rules worked, uh, along with the fact on them before uh, <laughs> before the game anyway. Fair enough. So it wasn't it wasn't a highly competitive game. It, it was a game that we were having for fun, uh, and, and and that we certainly did. Uh, so it, it worked quite well. Garth Garth really quite won quite resoundingly. I, I didn't really manage to displace him. Uh, we we got some scattered ruins of a, a sort of industrial nature, uh, some resin scenery we got at the club. And uh, I assault, assaulted him over that and stood back a bit and fired with what I could fire and, and, and went in with other stuff. Used a couple of, he used a couple of uh, uh, stratagems really well uh, to try and keep uh, keep some defence on, on the things that he needed. And um, it, it was quite a nice game. The, the one thing that we noticed, though, we had, we had to finish it a little bit short, but it was obvious that Carth had won. Uh, but one of the things we noticed, because I was respawning units all the time, and, and his units were slowly chipping away, we didn't get that effect that we usually see in 40 game, 40k games, where it accelerates towards the end because you've got fewer and fewer units available, and fewer and fewer things to do right, uh, every yeah. turn as, as, as units are taken off the board. Yeah, that makes sense. That really wasn't the case at all. Um, so that, that may give it a different feel and different flavour. And it... it it was one of those games that where we thought, yeah, actually, if we did have a battle zone on that as well, that added a little bit of push from the terrain, that that could be an even even tighter mission. You know, a last stand while lava's flooding in, or um, a last stand as as the warp thins and there's there's weirder effects uh, going on. There's some there's some interesting combinations that could could be used there in the future. So, once again, I I lost with my Rainbow Warriors. It too, I think everybody's very well aware how good my general skip skills, general ship skills. You had are. unlimited resources. You had infinite yeah. bodies. Yeah, and we still couldn't win. <laughs> but that's more on me, I think, than the Rainbow Warriors. Um, but it was great. It was great to get that game in. And, um, you know, uh, before lockdown, I've got that to look back and to keep me going until we, we're able to get out and play again. And we'll certainly be reforming at the club as soon as we were allowed to do so. Well, it sounds like it was a good one. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. And certainly I've been chatting with Garth there on Messenger um, since then, uh, catching up and reliving and talking about what we're painting. And uh, we've got quite a few different games in Conan 40K is just one of them. Excellent. Well, like I say, I've, I'm looking forward to my next game whenever I next get a chance to get one in. <laughs> um, but I am feeling confident now that um, I've got a, a decent play space set up at home and um, the little ones are just old enough now that shouldn't need as much... Um, <laughs> Like hourly attention, uh, yes. So uh, I'm hoping that once the lockdown does lift, I might be able to gain a, a couple of games with some local players again. But we'll see. Yeah, no, that sounds good. And uh, I mean, one of the things I've been doing is looking for for other options and other ways to play. But uh, I'll I'll not talk about that in games played because that's that's games for the future and, and games should be played. Topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, so. <clears throat> That's everything that we've been up to um, in the last month and everything the community's been up to. So I think it's time to move on to our spotlight topic for tonight and sort of take a look at what everyone is currently doing at home and how they can still be engaging with the hobby despite being stuck at home. So we'll be back with that in a minute. Do you enjoy awesome narrative 40k games as much as we do? Do you wish there was more narrative play content online you could enjoy? Narrative Wargamer aims to be more than just a podcast. Our goal is to become a wider platform 
for narrative 40k content creation. Right now we are just starting out, but you can already find 40k articles and gaming posts on our website at narrativewargamer.wordpress.com. We also aim to develop the Narrative Wargamer YouTube channel with narrative battle reports, custom missions, expanded gameplay rules and much more. If you would like to see awesome content like this, then please support the show via the Narrative Wargamer Patreon page. The support from our patrons helps us produce the show and expand our range of future content. You can support the show from as little as $2 a month and it really is the best way to show us you are enjoying our work and are excited to see more. With your support, Narrative Wargamer can become the number one provider of narrative player content from the Grimdark. And we are back, but where we are not is back at the tabletop. No, indeed, not at all. It's certainly back at my back at my paint station, guys. I'm painting away at Tech Marine while we uh, while we're recording. <laughs> and that is because tonight's spotlight topic is the hobby beyond the tabletop. Now, this is something that I was actually, as I say, thinking about a couple of months ago, and I wanted to do as an episode. On the show one night, and that's because having you know having a newborn um, myself, I found I was having a bit less time in my personal life to actually get to the tabletop and play games. And yet, when I thought about it, I didn't feel like I was actually disengaged from the hobby at all, or felt like I was left out or not able to be involved in any way. And I I wondered, you know why that was and I think it's when I actually stepped back and thought about it objectively I realized it's because there's a lot of things that I do in my life and that I engage with that relate directly to the you know the hobbies of Warhammer 40,000 and other sort of like games workshop IPs and I thought just thinking about it that's actually a rather interesting concept to look at and would be good to discuss on the show so that's exactly what we're doing. And, you know, in these current times, we thought it'd be a really good spotlight to actually look at the hobby as a whole and realise just because we can't get to a table to play games with each other right now doesn't mean there isn't plenty we can be doing to enjoy our hobby. Absolutely. And uh, somebody who's been uh, doing this kind of thing, uh, especially with 40k for a few years there have been times when uh, Games Workshop have not exercised their IP as much as they could and they've, they've not really been other outlets or abilities to do that um, but that certainly is not the case today Games Workshop have made a lot of use of IP 40k's out there in a, a lot of different ways um, even beyond just thinking about uh, gaming on the tabletop and uh, painting the miniatures that you own and um, some of those that we should cover today, tonight I think yeah, so when I was originally thinking about it, I basically just wrote down anything and everything that came to me as an idea about, oh, that's actually a way that, you know, I think about Warhammer. Oh, that's that's another Warhammer thing that I do, and so on. And I kind of realised there was just a lot of these ideas, and I thought I'd break them down into a few different sort of categories and approaches to the hobby. And the first of which is you know, the tabletop, and obviously the point is there's a lot that we do that actually comes to playing games, but when we can't, what else is there? So the other main sides of the hobby, really, 
uh, building and painting. Like these are the the two other sort of core pillars of the hobby, and certainly something that most hobbyists, in theory, probably all hobbyists, are familiar with. And we certainly we talk about it enough uh, on this podcast and the oh, other yeah. podcasts we listen to or, or refer to what they do as well. So very very common for all of us, I'm sure. Yeah. So you know, right now the hobbyists probably find themselves with more opportunity to be building and painting stuff. So, you know, first and foremost, um, working on that backlog of projects that you've got is probably one key way of, you know, hobbying about the tabletop. Yeah, and, it, you know, some of us have got larger backlogs than others. And I think I think the thing to do is not try and say, right, I'm going to paint all my miniatures now <laughs> in this moment. Uh, because that you know we many of us have been there and tried to do that and it there's there's sufficiently large backlogs whether whether it's just the, the size of the orcs that you've got available um and and i'm sure you've still got plenty of orcs left to paint in your backlog so oh, um, all the large number of projects i've had over the years and i mean at the moment i'm i'm painting rainbow warriors i've started a blood angels army i've got the black legion that i work on i've got my space dwarves uh i've been building gene skiller cult a couple of town models um you know, chaos. I've got other types of chaos as well, um, and sisters of battle that I've been working on as well. They're just the things I'm currently working on. As I said, I've been thinking about picking up orcs again, epic, so many different projects, and I'm not trying to complete them all in one go. I'm trying to make a little bit of progress on each of them, mix them up, keep myself interested, because I am spending more time at my painting desk every day. Um, uh, finding the variety of things that I do, and finding the story in it, the, picking the characters out, uh, talking about the squad, and, and, and linking it together. So that painting and hobby time, like we talked about with the uh, the dark Eldar that were posted on our Facebook group by uh, by Ant, having having that story emerge doesn't necessarily need to be on the tabletop like it usually is for me, but um, that that can evolve as you're you're building and working on your backlog of projects uh, and coming through things, thinking about the characters you're painting. Yeah, and um, I think possibly just sitting down and thinking about what you're going to hit first on that backlog. So like for me, I, I've got plenty of other stuff to be working on outside of my orcs. Like I've got an entire Necron army that I want to get done at some point. I've got various Chaos Demons to be working on. But I know that the place I really want to make that dint in my backlog initially is in my orcs. So... I have very much like lined up like right. I'm gonna, I've currently got um the like you know, the was uh, the was bomb blaster jet that's like my large piece that I'm working on at my desk. But I've also got the Megatrack scrap jet, which is the smaller model that I can work on if I'm doing some like painting on the sofa with the misses. Um, but they're all different units from my backlog, and I know that I'm gonna get the next ten orc boys sprayed up and work on them probably next after the blaster jet. Um, so yeah, like I know I've got plenty to be going at, and now that I've got my stocks of paints um, supplied up and another order on the way in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully, like I can really, you know, get on with this orc project, and I'm hoping that in another six months it'll probably be mostly done. Yeah, yeah, and organize it in in the way that makes sense for you. Some people, some of you will work really well with lists. Some of us. Don't work so well with lists in our hobby life, but uh, we, we 
we line our models up or we put them in a, a series of shoe boxes or smaller boxes to say, I'm going to do that next, right? I'm going to do that next. So we just have the unopened boxes in a sequence on the shelves ready to be pulled off in order. Whatever works for you, right? You, you experiment and find find the way that works with you that organizes your, your project in the army uh, in the way that you, you want it to, to work for you and that you find most motivating. And that, that's something that, that can maybe experimented a little bit with while we're, while we're in these times and we're, we're, we're trying to work through our backlogs a little bit more than we would at other times. Well, I know for myself, I actually have a Trello board for my hobby projects. Yeah, I've, I've, I use Trello a little bit. For those that aren't familiar, Trello is a, a free online tool that you can sign up for and it allows you to keep like online lists in different categories so that the backlog lists or the things you're working on or the things you've completed and each task is a little card that you can fill in. And it comes from a, a Japanese uh, a process type thing called Kanban, which is a, a way of tracking your projects and making sure you can move them forward to completion. And of course, you can create more than one board on Trello, so you can have a different board for each project to, to help you move through, to make sure you don't forget to um, add a unit in or uh, varnish them or base them or whatever it is that you want to do as part of your process of creating your army. But then beyond armies, um, one of the other things I think is a really good um, thing to be working on right now is painting some terrain. I mean... Yeah, well, I I, I did post one on the Narrative Wargamer group just before we started recording this podcast. So it's certainly something I've been doing. I mean, you've been doing some fantastic terrain, Tony, as we've already talked about. And for those that have not seen it, go and have a look at the, the table full of jungle terrain that, that, that Tony's posted. <laughs> it does look really good. Uh, but having that terrain available to game with, being able to pull it off the shelf, uh, set up your pop-up table. If you're lucky enough to have a permanent table, as, as, as several people I know, you can you can have that in storage, pull it out, and, and you've got something to play over right, immediately. Definitely. And, and I, I would say that at this moment in time, um, obviously consider your supplies when it comes to painting terrain. Um, you know. So, yeah, it's something I, I changed up the way I do terrain a long time ago. Uh, and it's not if you've not done this already it's probably not the time to try and change change your stocks of hobby materials uh, but uh, quite some time ago I, I bought, bought into some craft paints um, so much bigger bottles are intended for, for doing stuff with the kids when they're little uh, but water-based paints nonetheless uh, that, that come in much larger volumes than come if you buy your, your paints from a Games Workshop or Leo or Coat Arms or any of the other manufacturers of paints that we'll use um, so, so they come in 500 mil bottles, and uh, they, you know, you can still thin them down and spread them out as well. And I found them much more productive. Uh, you have to mix your colours. You don't get a, as many of a range of colours, but all the basic colours are there. And and mostly what you need for, you know, a lot of scenery, is is uh, greens, browns, tans, and if you've got black and white as well, uh, you've got most of everything that you need. Uh, you can choose some of the the, the bolder colours if if that's uh, that works for the scenery that you're working on. Like that's definitely something which like I know I've taken a lot of pride in in recent months is working on my terrain collection, like getting to that point where I've got enough terrain to feature a fully painted board feels great. Mm -hmm. The last game I played, I had um, most of the forest, Death World Forest stuff, but I didn't have the Planet Strike creators painted up. So they're all done now, so that they look really nice, and I can really see this progression between each game that I do get to play having more painted terrain on that table. And now I say I've actually got to that first milestone of having a fully painted table, but it's yeah. 
sort of that one loadout. Like I only have those painted pieces. So I want to get more painted so that I can have variety on the tabletop. And um, that's something that you can really be getting a sense of accomplishment out of at the moment that if you can't, if you can't get another person to be at the table with you, well, maybe you can spend a bit of time sprucing that table up for when you next have a guest round. I think, I mean, the terrain as well, to look good, doesn't have to be a Games Workshop plastic kit. It doesn't have to be uh, difficult to get hold of Planet Strike traitors that, that you've got um, or some fancy piece of resin. Um, 50% of my uh, forest pieces are aquarium um, like right. foliage. And that's... That's what I was going to say is uh, stores like Pets at Home and, and, and places like that are still open if you're going past. Do not make a special trip out, of course. Uh, but if you've got one nearby that you're going past... Uh, or if, you, if you're getting pet some, food for yeah. your pets anyway. Yeah. Or, or it's something you can order online. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, uh, is Aquarium Scenery. And they make great alien alien pieces. There's plenty of tutorials out there online um, that, that, that you could find. And if, if you can't find them... Uh, contact us on social media and we'll help you find some or even down to the much more simple things some of the things that used to get recommended uh in some of those those older publications from games workshop the building um houses out of cereal boxes right uh, a simple <laughs> fantasy yeah. cottage in the middle of a table works works perfectly well in 40k for you know um, a medieval style world right there's, there's plenty of those out there in the imperium um uh, and they're, they're again easy to search up stuff if you've got more advanced materials like cork or foam uh, of course you can use those kind of things as well and um, you know trees and, and, and things are a little bit more difficult to manufacture but uh, broken areas fields there's an awful lot of, of things that you can search up on the web with tutorials to do i know when i was doing i built a lot of scenery um, and a lot of scenery in bulk uh, because as, as i mentioned before we uh, ran quite a, a large uh, bolt action tournament with, with quite a large number of players for which we needed to manufacture a lot of scenery and, and a lot of that came from tutorials uh, places like the Train Tutor is a fantastic YouTube channel uh, the chap Mel there that, that broadcasts quite regularly uh, on YouTube uh, lots and lots of different terrain ideas and techniques and, and things that you can do uh, model railways as well is a, is a parallel hobby, uh, one that probably most of our listeners wouldn't be taking part in. Uh, but there's there's all sorts of scratch building and techniques and tools that you can use uh, for for making really effective looking scenery um, for for your for your war games table based on the techniques that the model railway enthusiasts use for for their own layouts. And if you've not seen it, and if you're looking for a box set, uh, definitely look up on. Um, I can't remember which channel four, or channel five. The Great Model Railway Builder, I think it's called, or the Grip, the best model. Maybe I'll find it and make sure you got a link for the notes, Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Great British Model Railway Challenge. That's what it was called. And there's been two seasons of that where they build model railway layouts in three days. Now you don't have to be. I'm not suggesting it in this podcast where, because I think I would want to convert you to model railways. But some of the tools and techniques and terrain building things that you see in, in those things, and you go, oh, well, maybe I could have a go at that. Especially the ones where they go for like ultra realistic sort of appearance right. as well. Because, right. like, you know, me and my aquarium terrain, Death Worlds, I'm very much going for a, you know, sci fi, like, you know, war gaming aesthetic, which is, yep. you know, it's one approach. But then, like, say, some of the you know, historic gamers, railway enthusiasts, all the rest of it, they can, they've developed some techniques over, you know, decades 
that look great for some really hyper realistic stuff. So yeah, yeah. I think um, yeah, working on terrain is certainly some uh, a good thing to be doing now. Um, like, like I say, just because you can't play on the tabletop doesn't mean you can't do something about improving the range or the quality or even just the usefulness of your own tabletop. <laughs> Uh, something that came from those World War Two tournaments that we still regularly use in 40k games was I made um, a, a whole number of uh, I, I think they're called Nissan huts. I could have that wrong. They're like corrugated uh, uh, st- uh, steel, like uh, cylinder, semi-cylinder huts um, that, that are quite common that you see in, in World War Two films, uses barracks and, and, and things like that, storehouses. And uh, I made a bunch of those, and we use those in 40k all the time for you're on a remote mining settlement. Uh, a couple of those combined with a, a little bit of a uh, like a, a frag mining drill or something like that really gives the flavour of a, a mining operation out in the wilds of a badlands of a planet. Yeah. Um, another thing that you can be doing is um, looking at just having a repair day. You know, just sit down with, you know, models from your armies, terrain from your board, wherever, and um, just spend a bit of, you know, hobby time repairing things. You know, I'm sure we've all got tanks and antennas that have snapped off or um, terrain pieces that have lost some tree branches here or a collapsed wall section there that wasn't intended to be collapsed originally. Um, So I think that's another really good thing that, again, just feels like you're engaging with it's like improving that quality of your hobby yeah and, and in the same vein not just repairing the models but looking at how you uh, transport and move your, your models all, all around i i know i've got at the moment a very boring land speeder that something snapped off of that i need to repair uh the the, the top arch of thing and the reason the top arch of the thing is, is snapped off is because i've never put it in proper i put it in foam when i carry it but it's not dedicated foam so it's got overly compressed and it's broken and, and what I really need to do is is find a better storage solution for it. So when I'm transporting it to and from the club in the future, I, I don't get it snapping on me again. Um, so looking at the, the way you, you, you will transport your model in the future and store your models, uh, very similar to, to, to model repair, preventative model repair, prevent them actually breaking in the first place by improving the way you store and transport them. Uh, get some foam, line out a cardboard box, whatever you've got available. Um, even if it's just uh, lining things with bubble wrap or making separators out of card, um, or all these things can help protect the models in transport and, uh, and prevent them breaking again in the future. And then the, the sort of flip side of that is the, the almost like mythical stage of painting your miniatures, the going back and adding extra details. That stage yeah, that everyone always like, talks yeah. about, like doing, oh, I'll get it back already, I'll come back later and, you know, spruce it up a bit and add a few extra bits here and there make it look nice no one ever seems to get around to doing that but maybe yeah. maybe when you cannot get around to gaming with those armies that actually are battle already maybe instead you spend a bit of time going back and adding those extra little features adding on those squad markings or whatever it was and there's there's you don't need to wait until you finish painting all your all of your other stuff in the backlog before you get to that if you've got an army that you you want to spend some time and love improving on um yeah get them out and and, and yeah add those yep. uh, additional details um, and clean them up uh, pick out some some more details that you didn't pick out the first time around and um, just make them look even better than they have ever done before that's a really good point actually that you know 
taking some already finished models and units and taking the time to add those extras is a nice way of just breaking it up from slugging through the backlog. You know, if it feels like it's getting a bit arduous or rather than working on the next thing in the pile, maybe spend some time doing those extra touch-ups and things. I know one idea that I have for my deaf skulls that I'd like to do, but I could not be... I felt it was going to slow down getting the army painted. So I thought maybe I'll do this later as a, a bonus if I ever get it all finished. I was tempted to paint the odd armor panel on most of the vehicles or a bit of armor that the old boys are wearing. Paint them like they've come from something and they've been looted yeah. and not repainted yeah. yet. So like on my um, Boomdacker Snazwagon, randomly have one yellow armor panel on it but then like on the edge of the armor panel there's clearly a burnt off or damaged like imperial fist icon yeah yeah i, I did that a very long time ago must be about 30 years ago i painted a, an rtb01 some of the original plastic space marines uh white scars and um, in that they're all patterns and, and on one of the legs one of the greaves on the i think the left leg of one of the marines i painted it purple and the background story I had in my head was that they'd, they'd fought alongside some purple moons. I didn't even decide who they were, and they needed to borrow a leg grief. <laughs> and one day it will return back to that chapter, but um, for the time being, it's on that white scar. And it's got a, I painted a, a freehand little silver Imperial Eagle on it. <laughs> exactly the same thing. Getting the character on those units is something that you can do in, you know, as part of touching up. Uh, it doesn't have to just be the details. It can be, be adding that kind of thing, like your personality you described. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It adds a bit of personality and gives a, the unit a bit of flavour, even if you don't have a fully fleshed out background as to why that is. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's those little touches that can really just elevate a model and maybe, you know, maybe now is the time to just consider adding those little extras to your, you know, like your mainstay army, the one that you do take to the gaming club every week. Well, Maybe rather than taking it out for a game, maybe you get it out on your paint station and do a little extra on it every week yeah. in the meantime. And then when you do get back to playing, um, it'll just look like, it'll just look really sharp and nice. And uh, you'll just have that little um, endorphin rush next time you play with it. Yep. Um, and then about the only other thing really with building a painting that I would say is if your main game of choice is something that you're now not able to play or you find yourself without an opponent, maybe take the time to do a little work on some of those specialist games. Maybe pull out a Blood Bowl team that's been sat on a shelf for a while. Maybe get out those Necromunda Barricades. Um, I know I've done this before where, again, just to sort of break up working on that big 40k army project... Maybe just doing a, you know, some turn markers for Blood Bowl or similar. You know, it's just a, a nice little thing, which next time you get Blood Bowl out, you don't even know when that'll be, you know, but you found that time to sit down and do a little something. And next time you get it out, you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember painting that. It was really nice and now it looks cool. Yeah, or even, you know, if you don't get to play Blood Bowl as much as you like, because you haven't got many opponents, paint a second team, you know. Then uh, next time you want to play a book bowl, you can encourage somebody to come along and play without needing to bring anything with them. You've got all the stuff that's needed to to get both sides on the field. Same with Necromunda or, or, or something like that. Um, Some hired guns, the, bounty hunters. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, or like, even the epic stuff I was talking about earlier. You know, all these specialist games are out there. There's, there's plenty of rules available online there, arrive PDFs and stuff. If you wanted to get into one of them, uh, grab a copy of the PDF, read it up, see if you got the models, or can convert them out of your bits box. I think this is like a good idea to imagine if ever you've looked at something in you know, like say your boxed game or on your shelf or whatever, and you thought I should, I'd like to paint that, or you thought I'll get around to painting that eventually. But I'm not really playing that game at the moment, so I'd rather paint something that I am playing right now. Well, yeah. unfortunately, right now, you're not playing anything, chances are. So why not paint something different? <laughs> just something, just that, that thing where the, the thing that stopped you from painting it before was because you didn't know when you were next going to use it. Well, if unfortunately yeah. you find yourself not knowing when you're going to use anything next, then maybe that's giving you the opportunity to pick up something from a different game or a little side game and uh, work on that there. Just treat yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll finish painting Advanced Space Crusade. <laughs> <laughs> I will get through all my Necromunda bulkheads and barricades at some point. I've got half of them done. Um, yep. I will get the other Maybe half by the time the lockdown's done. Yeah. <laughs> But it, the, you know, we've all got those things in, yeah. in our backlogs, and it, you know, might not even be forty k stuff. Uh, and we were talking about Blood Bowl there. You know, it may be a, an army for bolt action. You know, it may be um, some Malifaux models you wanted to paint. Maybe you never really played Guild Bowl as much as you ever wanted. You know, there's lots of games and lots of miniatures out there. We focus on forty k in this podcast, but while you're locked in, you got that backlog of products. You work through what you've got, right? Oh yeah, exactly. And then, whereas like building and painting is kind of the two other core pillars of the game um looking beyond that just because you might not be building painting or playing doesn't mean that you're not engaging with the hobby and one of the things which it might not seem like a big investment but actually somebody you probably spent a lot of time doing is hobby organization and i yes. also wonder of a early part of this year I spent a lot of time reorganizing my hobby space and my uh, my personal home office um, and it was a really enjoyable experience it helped me actually sort out from my backlog go through all my paints and my tools get new organizational pieces um, generally create a little list of things I wanted to order from stockists and uh, now I don't have a big mess on my desk anymore I just have what it is that I'm working on and the paints I need to work on that model. And it really has helped it just sort of kick forward that progress with that army. Yeah, and that, that really comes back to what I was saying earlier about uh, about lists and, and things like that. Find a way to organise that works for you. I couldn't honestly say that my desk or even my hobby room is particularly tidy, but I would, uh, that my wife would disagree, I would claim it is organised. I know where my bits boxes are, I know where my paints are, I know where my flock and terrain are, I know where the rules are, even if I can't see them immediately, I know which boxes to move to get hold of them. <laughs> um, so organising the way that the, the things work for you within the space that you've got available to, to, to move around and, and, and organise your hobby in is really valuable. The physical organisation uh, really helps, but also the, the mental organisation, like you said, of knowing... I know I'm going to need some of these paints. I can still get hold of um, 
whatever your preferred shading medium is. Uh, let me get some of that ordered now if you, if you can afford to do so at the moment. Um, so, so that they're in stock and you can work through that stuff and you've got the things that you need for your army. And if, if it works for you, use use a, a Trello board, like you said, Kanban Flow is another one uh, that, that you can find online as well uh, that does a very similar sort of thing that's free to use uh, to help you organise. Or if that doesn't, you don't want to use an online tool, uh, use index cards, right? <laughs> uh, they, they're still available, there's still stationers available, you can get them from, from Tesco's and things like that, and they can help you organise you work in a very similar way uh, to, to the sort of electronic tools me and Tony have, have already talked about. Um, so that combination of organising your physical space, planning your work uh, that you want to do, uh, and consider it as a, a project that we work through, figure out what all the steps are need to completion, and, and tick them off, because... Uh, Actually, it's, it's a really good device, I found. For, for me personally, it may may or may not work for some of you. Um, having that list and ticking it off and feeling as though you're making progress through it, um, even if it's a little bit artificial and you've set that up for yourself, it, it really genuinely is helpful uh, to some people to, to tick down through a list and, um, and, and feel like they're making progress. I mean, the other thing you can do after that as well, of course, is it's not just about organisation of things that you... You want to do with your projects but but also the research so uh, you got if you've got a little bit if you have got a little bit more time at the moment um because you're not commuting or, or you're working less than you have been before and you, you're doing a bit more hobby time uh, don't just consider the only hobby time that you can do is actually sitting at the painting desk painting through models or reorganizing your your storage solutions i mean go on youtube uh, pinterest facebook twitter um, websites blogs um, Reddit, um, all of these things have got great uh, guides and tutorials, the things that people are doing, how they're achieving some of the things. So have a look what other people are doing in terms of techniques. Um, uh, like I said before, look at adjacent hobbies like model railways, for example, or, or scale modeling, or see how they do their, their kind of terrain and scenery, or go back and watch all of Duncan's videos if you've, if you've not done so, and that's something that you always wanted to do. Or um, you know the terrain tutor that I mentioned um, as um, earlier in the podcast is is another great one to go and get some scenery tips from. Um, so research into you know techniques that you're less familiar with uh, and you want to improve for yourself. How you know I'm, my dry brushing never comes out as well as it should. You know oh, I've got an airbrush and I never use it. Have a look online see if you can pick up those skills by by remote learning and give it a go. Yeah, it's really good. I'd say I learned um, the weathering technique that I'm using for my orcs from one of the um, Warhammer Daily videos from Duncan. Um, and yeah. It's just surprising how you can pick up some really nice little techniques and things like that. And um, Yeah, and the amount of scenery I built for the, the tournaments we've run in the past uh, at our club from, you know, blog posts or YouTube videos or tips and tricks like that it's amazing what's out there and that you can, it's, it's really easy to replicate um, and yeah like you say just because you've got some hobby time doesn't mean you have to spend it at your hobby desk as such um, or vice versa like you can do hobby time without being at your desk I know the like the project board that I've developed for working through my backlog like that's something that I did on like you know lunch breaks at work or if I had five minutes here or there or you know if just find myself on the train or whatever and they can do all that then um yeah. another thing is i often i look at researching into like storage solutions in that, that sort of time like looking at um like army case 
companies are out there, what might be right for the projects I'm currently working on, thinking about where physically in the house I'm going to store these things, what sort of space I want to look at using. I don't want to get any furniture, particularly, for storing, like, terrain. Like, at the moment, I'm, I've actually got, um, like, a glass front of cabinet in the dining room that I use to store the terrain in. And uh, I'm, I'm actually quite lucky that it's a really deep one, so I can get some of the big city ruins and stuff in there. And um, eventually, I want to get something bigger to have a more, like, um, open plan shelving system for my terrain. But that's the sort of thing that you can really think about how you're going to organize your hobby in that way. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that I have to say I've found really helpful is just really picking through the backlog of like unopened or unused purchases and deciding what you are and aren't actually ever going to get around to doing and just selling some of it or moving it on or donating it or whatever give it to the kids <laughs> you know yeah yeah i've certainly done some of that past i'm a little bit more of a collector myself so uh, i perhaps don't find that as easy as others but other people do get uh, and i've seen it with uh, get a real sense of satisfaction from doing that organization and cleaning out I, this you know if it's sat there if it's sat there uh, not being opened and you've not no 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 motivation to do it um, and you can't really ever see yourself coming back to that project by all means move it on uh, and it, it, it can almost be like a a psychological weight sat there staring at you from the shelf going you're never going to pay me um well don't let it get to you you know get rid of it and um, then it won't bug you anymore yeah and in some cases perfectly valid in some cases it might even help fund getting things that you actually want or need I know that what I've done recently is, you know, I've shifted a load of either really old army components or units or unopened projects I'm not going to use. Like, for example, back in, what, 2016, was it, when 8th edition launched? I can't remember. 2016 or 2017, but whenever the Dark Hyperion box first came out. Yeah. Um, I, I had um, a reasonable... Like Nurgle Demon Army at the time because I, I had, to be honest, I had a very large, like multi god demon army, and I thought, oh yeah, I'll I'll get this this new Dark Imperium box and I'll split the contents with a friend and I'll keep all the Death Guard units. Um, with the theory being that one, you know, I would get the new rule book and stuff like that, and, and obviously it's great value when he gets to get his Primaris Marines, um, and. I would have some like mortal servants of Nurgle. I'd have some Death Guard, and I could play. Uh, I could eventually get around to expanding that portion of the Demon Army into a dedicated Nurgle army, and it could be Death Guard and Nurgle Demons. Well, three years, three four years down the line, those Death Guard are still sat on the sprue. Yeah, and now when I'm looking at you know, um, what my plan is for my existing armies and my projects, like my demons are probably third or fourth down the line. And even within demons, like my Nurgle stuff is probably going to be third or even fourth on the list. Like I know the first one of my uh, demons to get some real attention is going to be my corn demons. So I'm looking at these death guard and thinking, Am I ever actually going to get around to collecting a Death Guard army? Do I want a Death Guard army? 
am I keep am I just holding on to these because of some imagined project I might eventually get around to? So I decided to shift them. You know, sold them all over to Troll Trader and the funds that I got from those plus obviously similar other things that I was shifting. I used that money to buy the new wargaming table from Game Map. Mm-hmm. So now I've got a collapsible, portable gaming table that I will actually use rather than just these yeah, models yeah. on a sprue in a cupboard that have been sat there for years, literally years, staring at you. doing nothing. Staring at you saying you're not painting me. And instead you've got a table that you can you can actually play with and you do uh, play with even on your own, right? Yeah. But then the other side of that is that I did choose to keep um, all the poxwalkers that I had because they're going to go on some Necromunda bases and they're going to become sort of like NPC models um, for sort of like, you know, zombie-ish style scenarios. Yep. So suddenly I've got myself a bunch of Necromundan plague zombies out of the deal as well, rather than just some poxwalkers for a Death Guard army that's never going to happen. No, no, that's a great idea. And um, yeah, I must admit, although I, I'm a collector, I, I, I do prefer sci-fi. And one of the things I did about three or four years ago was just sort through a whole load of fantasy stuff that I was never going to get around to paying. That I picked up with ideas for using for role playing and stuff like that. A lot of non-games workshop stuff, Reaper and and, and, and other mini finery manufacturers that were really nice models. You know, I'd enjoy painting them if I ever got around to them, but I had to admit to myself, hey, it's going to be years and years and years, decades, in all honesty, before I get to painting these. And uh, I moved them on uh, in, a, in a very similar way to, uh, uh, to, to somebody who sold second-hand miniatures. And um, uh, I was quite happy with that. That worked really well for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the other things that you can be doing when you've got downtime and you're not able to play games is there's a lot of planning and preparing that goes into this hobby, both in like we talked about hobby organization like in your desk and your projects and what you're doing but also there's a lot to the gaming side that obviously involves planning and prepping i know a lot of people can spend a lot of hours looking at like you know army lists and list crafting and running through like theory hammer stuff and uh, using the wonderful math hammer app and so on to sort of look at all the theoretical side of the game um, and perhaps yeah. now is a time that you might be able to double down on that, you know, or really try to um, look at and look at your collection as a whole and work out maybe what you want to bring to the table in, in the near future. Or just getting your head around those rules that you know you never quite get right. <laughs> I think I really should do some work on um, uh making sure I've got down the assault rules a little bit better because I always have to look it up. I get confused no matter how many times I do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, like, I know that I'm regularly working out what I want to sort of, you know, include in my next purchases because I want to get into an army list because I think it's going to be a really nice unit to complement the next things. Like, and I want to get a Death Dread at some point soon because that's going to give me a third thing to add to a spearhead so I can sort of, you know, add that out as a nicely rounded detachment then. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and the other side of that is also, you know, the, the little things to take to a table. Uh, so to go back to a common non-40k thing we bring up is Blood Bowl. So I, I attend a tournament every every January uh, in, in York for Blood Bowl, which I went to again this week. And whenever I take a team, I always make additional little bits of tokens um, by 
sticking uh, printouts to 20 mil square bases to make tokens uh, and, and having the tokens and the dice and all the little bits that you have paraphernalia that you need, the dice cup and all that kind of stuff for Blood Bowl. I like to, to have like a little bit of extra paraphernalia around the team itself and you can play without that stuff. You need the dice of course but apart from that you, you can you can play without that stuff but just to have it just makes the team a little bit richer a bit more flavorful um, and you know there's probably a whole other topic about a, a season or a multi-game tournament being a little bit like a, a narrative campaign anyway and and that's that's the kind of thing i like to bring out but of course when we go and play uh, 40k on the tabletop and you, you know that will be coming again uh, when this, this, the whole situation changes. Having those additional bits of things, if you want to use tokens, track status of things, um, or you, you want to make your own uh, notes, you've got a psyker and you usually use a certain set of uh, psychic powers or a certain set of um, uh, stratagems and things with your army. Um, and if you haven't got the cards or, or the full set of cards, or you don't want to be taking the full set of cards because you only use a restricted number of them, you know, write them out or print them out uh, and make them into a, a format that you can take with you and carry with your army so you've got them with you all the time uh, when you need them. Or, you know, if you need to, um, you know, if you wanted to, you've always wanted to paint your army logo on your tape measure or all that additional uh, paraphernalia. <laughs> I've, I've done that before. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think many of us have done that. That's true. Um, all that additional paraphernalia that takes your games, it's not just the army itself. Uh, yeah, right. The list and the extra bits of paper, the record keeping that we all do, uh, or the status tracking might might require a little bit of tokens and things. Just like we, you know, many people do 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 objective counters and things like that. So maybe themed objective counters for your army. All those kind of things are things to consider as part of preparing and planning to to play a game again when we can. Yeah, just because events are not happening right now doesn't mean that you can't consider your event prep, like maybe you have a like a dedicated event bag or you know like hobby case or whatever that so yeah we know that you've got your your storage solution for your army so your figures are going in your army case but like maybe now is an opportunity to actually look at your like your event bag you know so the thing like you say is going to have all your extra bits and bobs your tape measures your dice your tokens even just things like um planning how you're going to take like you know food and supplies of you um getting out um cheat sheets for your armies um working out how you're going to bring the books and publications you need to bring maybe you use digital products you know like an e-reader or whatever like there's rather than just having you know a bag in the cupboard uh, in the closet that you pull out every day you go into an event and just chuck a bunch of dice in because you, you spent all of last night painting your army at the last minute maybe instead now is the chance to actually think about well, maybe i should put together a dedicated event bag and i know i have a, a hobby bag that i use as like my general traveling hobby bag so i'm not constantly swapping out the contents of my work bag because i'm going to game night yeah and, and the other thing there is, is when you're at, uh, if you if you do go to tournaments, when you're at tournaments, how do you actually move your army around between games? Uh, a lot of folks like pack their army away, get their army out again, pack their army away, get their army out again. Uh, one thing to consider is is, is a, a movement tray between games, um, so a movement tray for your whole army, so you don't have to pack it away and put it 
get it out again. And there's lots of different ways to do this. Uh, it can be a bit like a, an armies on parade board. And yeah, it's display board. That's a good idea. Yeah. Or it can be a, a simple, uh, you know, a tray that you've flocked. But with lips and edges, you're less likely to knock your models flying. They can all be together. If you want to go a bit more fancy, you can you can drill or cut out holes so that they fit in and they're a little bit more secure. There's, you know, there's you know, a thousand different ways to, to, to do that kind of tray. But if you you like to go to tournaments and, you know, moving that army between tables is a bit of a pain, uh, that's something else that can consider to work on at a time like this when you, you can't get out to those tournaments. Yeah, maybe have a look at some old event packs that you've got from previous events that you've been to and sort of just imagine if you were going to go to it again, what you might do differently, what extra things you might take with you, what, like you say, extra um, peripheral stuff you might have for your army or your collection um, that you've not previously thought about. You know, Maybe now's the time to have a little think about it and see whether or not you can yeah. improve the convenience of it all or improve the uh, quality of it. You know, there's there's a lot to be said for just preparing for this sort of stuff so just because you're not playing doesn't mean you can't be preparing to play yep. yeah absolutely um and then closer to home or perhaps in um, a more local scene like now would be a brilliant time to be planning a narrative campaign or similar you know many a hobbyist and gamer has talked about you know big ideas for playing a narrative campaign with their friends but because the only time you get to sort of think about playing is game night and you're too busy going down to the club and playing games, maybe now instead you think about organising you know, that little campaign that you're going to play when you do next get back to playing. You know, maybe you've got your group chats going with your local um, like play group and, okay, fine, you've not had a chance to meet up and roll some dice together. But I'm sure you're all talking about what you're, you're painting or working on. Or maybe now is a time to collaboratively come up with a, a campaign that you can all run once the dice yeah. get rolling again. And there's lots of very easy tools to do that. The risk of spilling your secrets, Tony. I mean, when we prepare for this podcast, we you draft up some show notes and you share them via Google Docs, right? Oh, yeah. And Google Docs is a, a great free tool that to, to, to create collaborative documents. Um, so you those things can be done today with the, the gamers that you're in touch with uh, to create the, you know, the plans for those games for the future just as easily as, as we prepare the, the notes for, for this, this podcast, right? Yeah, maybe take some of the new, like, you know, working from home techniques and methods that many of you might have been developing and uh, instead apply those to your hobby. Maybe get, get your friends yeah. to join in a conference call um, and, you know, have a hobby evening together or, you know, discuss yeah. plans for um the the campaign that you're going to run you know like there's loads of things you could be doing yeah and if my dad who's in his late 70s can figure out zoom to talk to his friends in newmarket i'm sure listeners to this club can figure out uh, <laughs> some of those online sharing tools to, to to stay in touch with their gaming mates uh, while we're in this state um and then you know just because there's a very active side to the uh the hobby you know, doesn't mean that you can doesn't mean that you should neglect the sort of more passive side of it all as well. So, you know, one other major pillar of you know Games Workshop and the Warhammer hobby is all the reading material that's out there. The law, yeah, it is vast. There is a lot of it out there, and you know maybe 
now is the time to actually sit down and read all 50 plus books of the Horus Heresy series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's something if you've got a lot of free time and you're, you're on furlough or something like that and you're looking for something to do, uh, that would definitely be something that, that people can do. Or just pick up the next books or the most interesting ones you want to do. I mean, that's something I've been doing quite a lot when, when, I've, when I have downtime and before all the lockdown. I think you're well aware that I've... Uh, sometimes I have to travel a fair bit for work uh, which clearly I don't have to now but when I'm traveling uh, over the last six months or so I've been working my way through the Saga of the Beast uh, books uh, in electronic form on, on Kindle app because um, uh, I've always wanted to catch up with that and read it ever since I saw them starting to get published and I, I just didn't get around to do so and I thought well all that time when I can't really do very much else uh, in, in the quiet times while traveling why not why not try and get through that and and absolutely the same thing can can apply in the the current circumstances now to to work through that background get inspired by some of those stories to to learn what uh, the characters do and uh, perhaps get inspired to recreate some of those things on the tabletop yeah i mean i've got um an entire like three meter shelf full of the um warhammer legends collection so i've mm-hmm. i've literally got just shy of 80 books <laughs> like you know right. Um, Black Library publications that I've not read most of them yet, you know. So I'm definitely not short of reading material. Um, I think it's been a little while since I actually managed to pick it up, but the one I'm currently working on or reading through is um, Hell's Reach by um, Aaron right. Mosky Bowden. Um, yep. And again, because I work on a philosophy that if I'm working on an army at any given time, I try to read uh, source material that relates to that army. So you know, Hell's Reach. Third War, of Ar- Third War of Armageddon. There's a lot of orcs in that book. There are. Yeah, no, I, I, I was reading the... I can't remember the name of it, but you mentioned it. It reminded me when I was painting my Crimson Fists. I uh, was reading the, the, the legend book about uh, the, the the orcs coming and, and invading uh, Rinsworld. Rinsworld, that's what it's called. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, th- those things are really inspiring to uh, kick off and help you... Uh, work on your projects and your army and, and give you some ideas for, for how you want to use them, what units you want in there and, and you know, give you some ideas for, for expanding that list and, and what you want to do with the army in the future. Yeah, like whenever I would be on my commute to work and um, if I was having to go um, by train that day, I would typically try and read some more of my, you know, latest Black Library book on the train. So, you know, yeah. just because I'm travelling to work and I'm not playing a game... <laughs> doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying my Warhammer. Um, And uh, beyond that as well, you don't need to have a large Black Library collection, you know, to have lots of source material, because if you play a lot and you mostly just buy codexes, there's a lot of lore in those codexes. There is, indeed. And if you've still got your codices from from earlier editions, though, sometimes there's slightly different lore in them as well, Uh, different stories and battles that those armies have been involved in. I know that I've still not quite read through the entirety of my current um, art codex, and uh, there's some really good stuff in there. Like just reading about some of like the, the battles that happen, I really like the um, like the timeline sections um, yeah. that talk about some of the major things relating to that race, and but then they also include like really fun little snippets about really minor things that happen to them. Like I always loved the um, uh, the one about the orc war boss who accidentally um, travels through time uh, due to you know. <laughs> warp space uh, madness and he ends up uh, going and killing a younger version of himself so he has a spare version of his favourite gun (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, there's probably lots yeah, of fun. There's, there's lots. And you know, and in addition to if you've if you you can afford it and you you don't have them already, there's there's a lot of things that you don't need to wait for books for. There's a lot of black library stuff that's available either in audio book, in electronic form, or, or PDF, or, or mobile or Kindle uh, sort of uh, books from Black Library um, that you can get hold of and, and pick up the things that you're most interested in. So even if you're not in a position to get physical books at the moment. Um, getting those PDFs if you're connecting them online, which I assume you are if you're listening to this podcast, um, is quite possible as well. And certainly what I do to, to I, most of the stuff that I've been buying recently has been in electronic form because it's easier for me to transport and consume. Well, all these Psychic Awakening books that people have been buying over the last six months, they are chock yeah. full of lore. Like, I really enjoyed reading um, the very first one, the um, Phoenix. Was it Phoenix Rising or Blood of Phoenix? It was Phoenix Rising. The Phoenix was, was the yeah, Blood of Phoenix was the box set. Yeah. Um, so the Phoenix Rising book, like I loved reading that. The so basically, it's it's almost the Codex Unari, really, to be honest. So if you want to get a really good, clear understanding of who and what the Unari are in the current universe, go read Law in Phoenix Rising, and. Like I know for one, I've not had the funds to buy every single one of these Psychic Awakening books, but I'm pretty sure at this point most people have probably bought at least one of them relating to their favourite army, and there'll be a lot of lore in that book, lots of stuff going on in the events in the um, in the, the background at the moment. And um, I have to particularly recommend, if you have not read them, read the Vigilus books. The actual yeah. like law stuff that goes on from the Vigilus campaign is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we talked about those books several times, and uh, I certainly use them a lot in my games recently to to pull uh, uh, um, battle zones and scenarios and missions and, and the rules out to of to play different type of games and tell different stories. But of course, there's it's, it's got its own story in there as well. And there's a lot, a lot of interest. Yeah, like it's just really fun to read about how, um, like, <laughs> Manius Calga like has to go at one point and basically um, act all. Um, what's the word? He basically has to suck up to like this imperial noble who's acting all pompous because um, this nobleman's got like a, a museum full of military hardware and stuff, and he's got a bunch of unused Death Strike missiles. And uh, Calgon right. basically wants to requisition them for, in, for the war effort against yeah. um, Abaddon. And the noble's like, what? You want to fire them? They're not for firing, they're for looking at. And basically, <laughs> um, he, he just acts all really like pompous and stuck up and like, you know, oh, oh no, couldn't possibly, blah, 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 blah. And to him, it, it's just... He's loving the fact that he gets to show off in front of a, a space marine chapter master to like all his political rivals, and when he basically yeah. tries to um, basically say no to Calga, Calga just loses his temper with him, <laughs> and um, basically just like grabs him by the cuff of the neck or whatever, and like you know lifts him like ten feet in the air or whatever, and this guy just turns into a complete like uh, sniveling wreck of a man. He's just he's just completely like. Coward, uh, uh, cowled by this imposing presence that is Calgary. It just shows this, like, idea that even though he's a space marine, he's a statesman and he's trying to play the statesman's game. 
but then when the idiot politicians get in the way of it, he's he's not going to mess about. <laughs> and it's just a fun little scene in this book, but it's really, really fun to read. And it's just um, a really little snippets like that are just little things that you won't necessarily find in a Black Library novel, but at the same time, it's just really cool to read about. Yeah. And, it, you know, if you have got not just stories and fiction and, and, and the codexes that you've not read for the current edition, but many of us have been playing for a while and we got codices going back to previous editions that's got different lore and different fluffing. And um, if you've still got those available and you, you've not read them in a while, reread those or reread the, you know, third, fourth, fifth edition rule books because there's, there's, there's lots of things that are slightly different in there but can also be quite inspiring in very similar ways. But then, that said, if, you know, reading isn't necessarily one of your um, preferred pastimes, that's fine. Because, to be honest, these days, Warhammer is very much transcending media. There are lots of different media outlets for it now, and lots of different ways of, you know, enjoying Warhammer content. You might not want to, you might not enjoy reading lore as such, but there are tons of decent hobby articles out there on the web um, relating to all sorts of, you know, great things you can be doing in the hobby. I know um, Goonhammer in particular is a great resource for this sort of stuff. Um, I really enjoy the articles they've got over there. I've been particularly enjoying the Narrative Forge articles, um, which is kind of almost like what we've been talking about tonight, but imagine it more like um, a series of articles, you know, talking about all the different ways that you could approach adding more narrative aspects to your game and to your hobby things like creating those custom objective markers building a modular cities of death board from scratch um all sorts of stuff um but then there's you know yeah. tons of articles and things like um like math hammer statistics um uh, deep mm-hmm. dives into game mechanics and how to actually um really look at how you approach certain phases of the game, army list building, you know, latest release reviews, all sorts. There's tons of stuff out there, loads of reading, and uh, lots of awesome yeah. stuff to look L- at. Loads of reading material, loads of stuff on, on things like YouTube, uh, places like that. Um, yeah, all that kind of online battle reports. Like, yeah. there are, you know, loads of great content producers out there who, even if they themselves are perhaps having to pull back on their content creation of the current um, world situation, that doesn't mean that their backlog of material has gone anywhere. There's literally hundreds of hours of content, you know, over on channels like Tabletop Tactics, Winter's SEO, um, Mini Wargaming, all the rest of it. Like, if you want to... Maybe now is the time to try out some of the new content creators that maybe you've heard of before, but you've never found you had the time to sit down and check out their stuff. Maybe now's the time to find some new favorites. And, it, and even if you don't want to sit down and watch videos, I mean, uh, it's kind of a bit obvious thing to say, given that what we're doing here, <laughs> but listening to podcasts while you're doing your hobby time or, or while you're doing something else, the gardening or whatever, uh, that you, you're currently doing uh, more on your mandated government walk every day. Uh, <laughs> listen to, to podcasters, Narrative Wargamer, obviously, uh, but there's other great ones we've mentioned in the past, Lawhammer, Two Peas in a Pod, Sprues and Brews, uh, The Codex we mentioned, Sump City Radio, if you like, Necromunda, 
um, both down if you like Blood Bowl, there's lots and lots of Blood Bowl podcasts, um, even something a little bit, you know, slightly further away there's, there's a podcast called The Veteran Wargamer uh, where they look at all sorts of different aspects of all the range of the um, uh, the things that you can do in the hobby uh, and that's just some, there's loads and loads more. Yeah, I, I, I literally spend hours every day listening to podcasts because yeah. you know, every morning I'll be getting up and I'll be you know, getting the, the breakfast ready for the kids. I'll be doing the washing up. I'll be tidying the house. Pretty much, you know, just almost like daily chores whenever I have to be doing something. Headset on, podcast running, and uh, I can literally get through probably minimum two to three hours of podcast content a day. So, and when I'm at work, it's even longer because I can be listening to podcasts while at work. Part of the reason why, you know, I I started this podcast was because I just really found I enjoyed the medium a lot, especially when it came to like the Warhammer content. Um, and there's so much of it out there. And uh, and it, you know, there you go. It 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 really does. Um, you know, you can fill that time, and we I can guarantee we're slightly less depressing than the news most of the time. <laughs> so uh, it can be a, a pleasant alternative to having the rolling news coverage, which can 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 bring you down a little bit uh, when at times when we need to be a little bit more up. Um, it's, it's a great thing to do, and of course, if you find yourself uh, wanting to to take part in a podcast, I'm sure you'll say it at the end. But um, you know, approach Tony, approach the narrative wargamer, and uh, we we we're, we're always looking for folks that are happy to come on and talk. Uh, on this podcast about uh, any aspect of oh, yeah, especially narrative board game in a forty game. Yeah, maybe if you find yourself um, stuck at home at the moment and you're listening to more podcast content, maybe maybe you might want to give it a try yourself and be that, you know, yeah. coming and speaking to us or emailing us at narrativewargamer at gmail.com. You can come join us on the show here and you know talk about the hobby or, you know, maybe give it a try yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this is this is not a competitive environment for us. Uh, no, not at all. Like, know, I, I more podcasts out there talking about the things that you enjoy about the hobby. We want to we want to hear and we want to fill our time listening to to what you've got to say. Uh, so maybe that's a good time to to consider whether that, that works for you. Yeah, and to be honest, I'd really like to have some of our listeners on the show. You know, um, we've got plenty of people in the Facebook group now. Certainly, any of our patrons are um, welcome to come join us. Um, but you know you, you don't have to be a patron to do it like just drop us a line you know if there's anything that you want to talk about on the show or discuss on a future episode we'd love to hear about it absolutely um, and then uh, finally if you if you're not playing or building or painting or reading or listening or watching you might instead be computer gaming you might be gaming online on your mobile or wherever, because surprisingly these days there's quite a few Warhammer games out there. Like yeah. a few games of um, the games of Extra Pipe. I know um, I, for one, I'm again on a daily basis at the moment, I'm playing um, Warhammer Combat Cards on my phone. Right. Um, I've been playing that for a few months now and that's a lot of fun. Um, but there's tons of them out there. Yeah, I, I quite enjoy Epic Armageddon on my iPad. Um, I've got Blood Bowl on my PC. Uh, Blood Bowl 2 is the, the To be honest, yeah, um, Blood Bowl 2 is actually a really good shout because it's basically a direct digital part of the board game. So if you're not yep. able to play Blood Bowl regularly at the moment, actually at the table, go play it online on Blood Bowl 2. There's plenty of people out there that are, you know, are regularly playing Blood Bowl leagues and 
um, it's it's a really good adaption of the game. Yeah, and if you if you don't like Blood Bowl, uh, or you, you haven't got the right platform to run it, or you don't want to buy it, uh, Bumble is out there as a free to use uh, alternative. It's a bit more 2D, it's a bit uh, less uh, flashy in terms of its graphics, but it's perfectly serviceable. And I know quite a few Blood Bowl leagues who uh, they will play their games in Fumble, uh, as well as sometimes playing online in person, uh, on the board in person. So there's there's lots of options out there for, for things like that. Um, but there's, you know, there's other options as well. I mean, if you uh, have a look on uh, places like uh, Good Old Games, for example, many of the oldest 40k titles are fancy titles as well uh, are available on platforms like that that are designed to run uh, on modern hardware quite happily and uh, you can pick up some interesting things like um, uh, Dawn of War is available on those kind of platforms which is an older 40k game a uh, unit building uh, sort of game where you can get 40k units into you it's a dedicated 40k game of course so you can get those units into onto the battlefield and, and play in 40k games uh, even though uh, you're on your own on your computer at home so yeah, and then finally, really, um, it's kind of been a, a bit of a general discussion on hobby under lockdown. Um, yeah. But we wanted just to add in a few little points on the end here that were, you know, specifically for life under lockdown, um, and the sort of things that we think would be both really beneficial and just really good ideas to sort of bear in mind or give a try really and um you know first and foremost amongst that is keeping up the community engagement so things like facebook groups um have it hosting gaming nights with your like game night regulars but maybe doing it on like online hangouts or um like conference call software or whatever um or even if it's not a, a gaming night i mean one of the things our club does is um, one of the lads runs a painting session where he just does a Facebook stream of him painting and everybody comments on that. Um, so there's, you know, things like activities like that are, are there and on the groups if you're engaged with them. Yeah, there's there's various sort of like content producers out there. They're doing more it's like live stream stuff. Um, but also even just doing it locally amongst your own friends and so on or getting actively involved in certain communities. I say, I'm really pleased to see the activity going on in the Narrative Wargamer Facebook group. Um, yeah. And I know myself that I'm active in other Facebook groups as well. You know, like there's plenty of ones out there with pretty much any sort of faction or sub-faction within the game has a dedicated Facebook group. I know I'm part of a dedicated, like, 40k Orcs group. And um, <laughs> like of the thousands of players in there, um, we've all been getting very jealous at the small handful of players who managed to get hold of a Gazgul before the uh, production yep. stop. Yeah, I didn't manage that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, seeing the sorts of people are producing out there, getting involved in conversations, like friendly competitions, um, posting like, polls and all sorts, just really discussing the hobby and those kind of communities and outlets is just I think more important than ever right now to feel like you're still part yeah. of that wider gaming community just because you don't get a chance to go around your mate's house and chat 40k doesn't mean you and your mate can't chat 40k <laughs> absolutely and like I said maybe now is a time to actually browse for sort of that new media content for Warhammer 
maybe instead of asking what should we watch next what should you watch next on Netflix maybe ask what Warhammer stuff could you watch on YouTube instead yeah and there's lots of good things lots of fan made fiction and uh, theorising and uh, battle reports and all sorts of content really worth it searching it up if you've never done that uh, and then maybe, you know, maybe now is the time to look inwardly to the household. Maybe you've got kids that are just sort of coming to the right age to be introduced to the hobby. Maybe you can create little dedicated hobby spaces for them. Maybe if recently you've had to adopt um, some homeschooling methods, you've got a little space set up for doing homework or studies with them. Maybe just sneak some paint pots and models on there as well on an evening. Yeah, always a good idea. My my kids, yours are not quite at the age yet, but uh, from quite a young age, my my kids wanted to have a go and join in and and see what I was doing. And there's a a few uh, mixed attempts, some better than others, uh, Mm -hmm. at at painting models. But that's how we all started. Yeah. Or equally, maybe now is the time to actually try and convince your partner or significant other to play a game. You know, maybe now when they yeah, they can't only, only the do house. that if that's safe. <laughs> only do that if that's safe for your relationship, though. That, that works for some people; it doesn't work for others. But if it if it does, if there's a chance, if it's a, a way of relieving boredom, uh, maybe if ever they've made a passing comment that uh, maybe one day they might give it a try, or maybe today is that day. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> now is a good a time as any to uh, get them rolling some dice and maybe play some games with. Or if you are one of the very lucky people out there who perhaps you have a housemate or an older child or maybe even a a partner who already plays the game and you've already got a home set up, maybe now is the time to really crunch into a deep narrative campaign, sort of like a two-player continued story across a handful of games and you can spend the next couple of weeks playing a really in-depth sort of like grudge match campaign of, you know, the Death Guard versus the Ultramarines. Yeah. Um, those households have That's just recently idea. finished their Warhammer um, Conquest subscription. You've literally got two armies that are built and you have, I believe, a, a sort of linear campaign system across those publications. Maybe you never thought you would actually bother playing the Conquest campaign, but maybe now you do. Um, but yeah, there's uh, like like we've discussed, there's all sorts of things that you can be doing just because you're not getting a chance to roll dice with an opponent. And uh, now is the time to really sort of explore those options, really dive into the many different aspects of this hobby. And uh, I know I have been doing for a few months already, and I certainly don't feel any less connected. I think if anything. I feel more involved in the hobby now than I ever have done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of things going on. A lot of things going on online, uh, as well as uh, amongst the groups of friends that we've already established. So, um, yeah, get engaged if you're not already. If you're, you're feeling mm-hmm. a bit down and you need some 40k uh, to, to perk you up, definitely go out and look for it because it totally is there. And if you can't find it anywhere else, come and find us on, on Narrative Wargamer Facebook group or, or at Narrative Wargamer on uh, Twitter and we'll, we're happy to point you in the direction that you want to go for your, your gaming stuff. Definitely. And um, 
And finally, as we always do, we'll just have some quick community spotlights um, on the way out. Now, we have actually already mentioned a ton of podcasters and content creators and all sorts of other, you know, wonderful resources out there in the hobby community on this episode. But two in particular that I really wanted to highlight um, because they are directly related to the current global lockdown. Um, The first is Warhammer TV over on Twitch. So like the official Games Workshop Twitch channel. Um, Currently, they've got open access on their entire Twitch archive. So previously, you had to be a subscriber to their Twitch channel in order to get access to the literally hundreds of thousands of hours of um, content that they have over there. Um, But currently, right now, because everyone's stuck at home, because of the global crisis, they've unlocked it all to um, free viewing. So, like, literally the last three years, I think, of Warhammer TV content is available to view for free. And it's presumably not going to stay that way indefinitely. But right now, if you want some uh, some Warhammer hobby content, then definitely go check that out. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, something else I, I picked up is... Uh, something created by our clubmates just to connect people. And this is just one of many small sites that are set up in a very similar way, just to connect people and find ways to, to get people gaming together. Uh, we set up, a, one of our clubmates set up a, a page on Facebook, COVID-20, C-O-V-I-D-20, as a place for people to get together games during this COVID crisis, um, just to, to connect. There are many more. There are many more if you look for them, all with a very similar intent. But they can help you connect to, to people online if you've not got the people to talk to that you, that you want to to progress uh, playing games, whether that's uh, 40k or uh, Asia Sigma or Blood Bowl or, or whether that's something um, uh, more like a board game or, or any kind of online gaming that you want to do. Uh, we're supportive and open for that kind of thing. Uh, and then the other one that I wanted to also particularly shout out is um, <laughs> it's the Lawhammer podcast again. And yeah. The reason why is because not only are they doing their usual amazing content over there, but they've actually, in the past week, they've started doing a daily podcast um, and with the aim of helping people basically combat the potential loneliness of being you know, locked up at home or not being able to talk to people about their hobby or... You know, for some it's a very very social game that we play, and for some people, having that social aspect taken away, it can be a bit jarring. So they've really made efforts to produce a series of um, daily podcasts, and they've all so far been at least an hour and a half long. So you know, some of them are two hours, pushing three hours, and whilst they're still doing their usual scheduled content on like the lore of the Warhammer. Uh, 40,000 universe um, their Lawhammer lockdown episodes are basically a bit like us tonight they're just very casual chats just very sort of open discussion episodes where they're just talking yeah. about all sorts of things um, related to the hobby and uh, I think it's a real testament for them that they're actually making that dedicated effort to put daily content out there to help people feel connected still so yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I just want to give them another shout out. If you're not already listening to their podcast, you should be because it's brilliant. But especially right now, they've been 
incredibly helpful to the community. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think the only other last thing that I wanted to mention was um, that there are some online tools that actually allow you to play play these games over the internet. They require a bit of configuration, a bit of looking at, um, and I, I need to do some more work to dig into them a bit more myself uh, before I am fully aware of how they would exactly work. Uh, but there's two tools. One's called Vassal, which has got some mods called Vassal 40K, that's V-A-S-S-A-L, um, which has been around for some time which is sort of a tabletop simulator from 2D top-down perspective where you see all, all the things just from above. Uh, and that's been around and works quite well. And that's had a bit of a resurgence, of course, recently as people are looking for these things. And the other tool that I, I've only recently purchased this weekend and uh, started playing with uh, along with one of the lads from my club, uh, we've not actually had a game yet, but it, it does look a very promising way of doing things, is, is a tool called Tabletop Simulator. It's only available on Steam, and it may only be available on the PC as well. Uh, but there's lots of uh, user-generated content, so it's like DLC that you don't pay for, um, that you can use to, the, you know, standard 6x4 maps and uh, armies uh, already preloaded as, as 3D models and things like that, where you can actually properly play um, 3D-style 40K that we're familiar with, but in the computer across the internet with people. And that might be one way to connect with, with your friends uh, uh, if you're able to, to. I know Vassal is free, Tabletop Simulator, there's a small cost for on Steam for the initial purchase, uh, but those 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 uh, user-generated mods are, are, are free to download. And that may be worth, if that's of interest to you, that may be worth investigating uh, as a way to, to try and actually get some 40K in. I know it is uh, something that a lot of people um, are looking at these days it's definitely like a name I've heard before so yeah it might be it might be worth looking at if you've got the the time and the inclination to persist with learning a new uh, piece of software but um, I've, I've heard good things yeah and there's certainly some again good YouTube tutorials about how to get going and, and how to get started with both of those tools so yeah um, so yeah I think that's about everything today. So, you know, thank you again, Dave, for joining me and uh, helping keep the, the hobby spirit alive. No problem, anytime. I'm very happy to talk 40k whenever you know that, Tony. <laughs> uh, and thank you again to all you listeners for tuning in and listening. I hope we've, you know, managed to provide a, a few hours of entertainment for you in these times. And uh, most importantly of all, you know, make sure that, you know, you stay safe and. You do everything you can yeah. to, you know, stay home and hopefully the world will be back to normal before we know it. We'll all be back to rolling yep. dice. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to those times. But in, in the meantime, everybody just stay safe and, um, and uh, keep thinking about what the games are going to be playing when we get back together again face to face are going to be. Yep. So until next time, guys, this has been the Narrative Wargamer podcast helping you to discover more ways to play 40k or more ways to hobby 40k in this case yeah more ways to hobby 40k <laughs> see you next time guys <laughs>